Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the program, and it is show number 170. That's right, Education, Leadership, and Beyond, show number 170. Uh, I feel like we are delayed a little bit, but hopefully the internet will catch up here in the home office. Thank you so much for joining us. This is going to be the longest podcast uh, in history uh, here. Three hours. We got three hours going here, and we are going to introduce the partnership, Surviving and Thriving. And here's the book. Here it is. Uh, so happy to have this released on EduMatch uh, Publishing. And it is a book for parents. It's a guide for parents to help their kids in school. And we are going to meet over 15 collaborators, 15 authors, 15 contributors to uh, the book uh, over the next three hours. So stay tuned. Buckle up. I got my tea. I got my water. And we'll uh, we'll get through the show here. But super excited. I already have some guests here in person. It's been a while since uh, we've had guests in person. So uh, excited to get started. Happy to be a member of the Education Podcast Network, as well as Voice Ed Radio Canada. Uh, shout out to them. If you're into education podcasts, check them out. Voice Ed Radio Canada and the Education Podcast Network. Great shows on there. And uh, hopefully you're into them just like you are into education, leadership and beyond. I also want to give a shout out to my sponsors. I don't need the sunglasses. I'm inside. But riosgear.com, Murata 15. Rios Gear, now that's warm enough here in the Northeast, uh, I'm able to go in the water and they float. Uh, float right down to Delaware, right, Dr. Bell? Uh, so check out riosgear.com. I am wearing Ann Collar. This is it right here, Ann Collar. Uh, check them out. And Ann Collar is their uh, tag, anncollar.com. Uh, Murata 20, they bumped up their code also. You can get a discount. Super awesome. Just just so uh, uh, flexible and soft and uh, athletic wearing. And it's water repellent, right? It's sweat repellent, water repellent. Today on a hot day. Uh, you have that shirt here. And lastly, I got Hansy's Cookies. All three of these guys are sponsoring. Uh, check them out. Murata15, there's that code. Uh, Hansy'sCookie.com. Here they come. They come vacuum sealed. Uh, and we're going to get these to our guests uh, for joining and for their contribution. Hansy's Cookies, Murata15. Check that out. All right. Well, we are going to get started with our guests here soon. Our first one, Dr. Bell from Delaware Valley School District is live here on site. Um, but just a little intro to the book, right? Here it is. Uh, again, it's a guide for parents to help their kids in school. And there's two, you know, two kind of uh, trains of thought here. Number one, what can parents do to help support their kids, right? When you become a parent, you do the best you can to try to support your kid in school. Um, but, you know, Sometimes people need help. Sometimes they get misdirected. Sometimes it goes off off haywire. There's a lot of uh, tips and tricks in here of things that I learned uh, by being a parent, things that I learned from my parents, and also things I learned from being a principal. I saw other parents doing, including uh, our guest tonight. The second is building a partnership with the schools. Uh, how can you build a partnership with the schools? Uh, things go good, it's easy to get along with people. Things not so good, uh, it's hard to, to, to build those relationships. Sometimes parents, uh, sometimes schools do things that hurt that relationship. 
So there's a lot of tips in here for my role as a principal um, of ways to build partnerships, relationships with the school, right? Things that I see through my lens that some parents do and some parents don't. So, for example, a very simple tip, right? You show up, you know the teacher's name or you know the principal's name because there's only one of them, right? You, or, or, you know, if it's secondary, a kid might have eight, eight teachers. You know the name. The teacher might have hundreds in there, 150, 160 names. Maybe they don't know your Joni Smith's mom. Maybe don't they don't know your Billy Thomas's parent. So you got to say, I'm Billy's mom. Things like that, little, little kind of tips. Um, when you get angry, you don't take it to social media and blast the school district or blast the teacher. What does that do? It harms those relationships. It harms those partnerships. Um, and those things are not good for relationship building, right? So uh, I'm hoping if you're watching live, let me know if you could hear me well. This is on a little bit of a delay. Uh, that doesn't normally happen, but uh, we're hoping that the Wi-Fi is up and running. So if you are watching live, let me know uh, if you, the sound is coming through and that uh, uh, you can hear me and see me okay. We are double checking the internet here at the Murata Compound. Yeah, looks like we are good to go here. So enough to do. Let's bring our first guest in, Dr. Bell. Come on and squeeze in here. We are going to talk about your excerpt and your part in here. Forgive the tight squeeze, Dr. Bell. It has been a long time for an in-person guest, Doc. <laughs> good to see you. You too, brother. Yeah, this is Dr. John Bell from uh, Delaware Valley School District. Come in a little closer, John. I won't bite you, I promise. Neither will Ruby. Um, Dr. Bell is a great friend of mine, longtime mentor. Port Jervis native, many years at Port. Uh, John, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. It's yeah. great to be here. Yeah. Tell me about, John, tell me about getting involved with this project and, and tell our audience uh, what, what you wrote here. Yeah. Well, I thought it was a great idea because the first book was great, but it was from our perspective as school mm -hmm. administrators. So mm -hmm. to have something uh, that can contribute to help parents from all these different perspectives of all these different people, it, you know, face it, the first time you're a parent, it's all new. And you lean on everybody. This book is something that people can lean on. And you wrote here, love him with all your heart. Here is a, a, he's got his doctorate. He's, he knows more educational philosophies and strategies than anybody I know. And you wrote about love. And that's just not for my own kids. I look at that way for my, my students, too. You know, back when I was a middle school principal and there were 600 kids, I knew the names of all 600 kids. Mm -hmm. I eventually got to know most of the mom's names, some of the dad's names. Um if you know them and you care about them, you can take care of them better. And let's face it, kids are going to behave better if they have a relationship with you than if are, there's no connection whatsoever. And John, you, you talk about love here, supporting them in their activities, but enforcing the rules. Yeah. Sometimes parents, right, they, they enable because they want the kid to feel happy, so they let them do everything. Mm -hmm. But you talk about enforcing the rules. So what would you say for parents to, to find that balance? Yeah. Well, it's difficult. I mean, it's no different than a teacher who's trying to build rapport with kids in a classroom. It's the same way with the parents. You, the most important thing to remember is you're not their best friend. You are their parent and you have to guide them. You have to give them guidance. You have to give them advice. But as they grow older, you also have to talk with them about strategies on how would you handle this if I wasn't here? Because eventually they need to get to the point where they're going to be by themselves. Yeah. And, you know, I always chuckle when parents of high school seniors, uh, the first thing they want to do is run and talk to the teacher without having the kid 
talk to the teacher first. I'm like, the kid's 18. He's going in the military in two months. You're not going to be able to call the, uh, you know, Paris Island when your kid's in the Marines, you know. Uh, so, you know, have the kid talk to the teacher first, and then the parent can help coach the kid on what to say. And then if the parent needs to get involved, get involved. But you need to have that process from elementary to middle to high school of getting them to be more independent. Otherwise, they're going to be 18 and they're going to flounder. If you're watching live, you have a question for Dr. Bell and myself, jump in. Also, let me know if you're hearing us okay. We're on a little bit of a delay here, and uh, but I think it is working. We got some viewers here. John, I love this line here. You said you grew up uh, during the time where if you got in trouble at school, you were going to get it twice as bad uh, at home, right? 100% support of, of the school. Um, that has changed a little bit now, whereas – if a kid is disciplined, something happens in school, they question, they come at the school, and that's some of this book. Why do you think that is? What do you think is going on there? Well, I think there's a lot of generational changes in America. Um, I like to say that our friends that are the baby boomers pretty much ruined it for everybody uh, because they were the ones that questioned authority mm -hmm. uh, as kids, and then they became the parents questioning authority, um, and it really kind of spoiled that relationship. I mean, the most important thing I would say, if I ever got in trouble at school, uh, and I love school, so I was, a, and I was a rule follower. That's why I'm an umpire. It's because I love following the rules. I love that there's rules. This is what you do. This is how we play the game. And uh, but I mean, everybody knew. If my dad finds out, I'm dead. You know, I mean, and my dad was a big, strong guy who, you know, he could still take me to the day he died. So uh, you know, it's, I wouldn't want to mess with him. So that was understood. You know, mm -hmm. that was understood. And you know, when my kids get in trouble. You know, they get it twice as bad at home. You know, I mean, fortunately, knock on wood, very rarely do they get in trouble. I think between the two of them, there was one referral and 13 years of school for the two of them. But when that referral came, that kid got creamed at home. Sure. You know, sure. We were you know, we, we were looking the other way. <laughs> John, you mentioned your boys, your beautiful wife, Lynn. Uh, you know, uh, your sons are getting involved. They're, they're growing up. Uh, David's still at Delaware. Yes. But Michael just graduated, right? Yeah. Michael Michael's just, going into education. Yeah, he just yeah. graduated from East Strasburg University, and he's out there shopping for a social studies job. And then Davidson uh, uh, be a senior at Delaware wow. and working in the pipeline now in the process to become a Pennsylvania State Trooper. Wow. So, so Enforcing the rules. Yeah, it's about enforcing <laughs> it's, the rules. The you know? And sometimes, you know, some of my best friends that are cops – they broke a lot of rules when they were kids and they had to learn the hard way, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe he fits that bill a little bit too, you know. John, what was it like for, you know, the second part of their career? You were the superintendent. You were there early. You, you left in New York a little bit yeah. and then you came back. Yeah. As a parent, was it challenging for you to have your boys in school there? Well, I think the most important thing for me, you know, uh, when I returned to be superintendent at DV, Michael was a freshman and David was a seventh grader. They were both moving into new school. So it was new for them. And then now dad's in the scene, you know, right across the campus. Um, you know, the most important thing for me was um, to stay out of their business. They had to do things their own way. Um, if there was, if a teacher ever had to call about anything, I had them call home and talk to Lynn uh, because I never wanted to put a teacher in a really tough spot too. So I kind of vacated my role as parent when I'm on campus, because that's not fair to the teachers. You know, I need to have that separate identity. They can't be thinking about me as a parent. Um, so I just totally stayed out of it in that respect. I may yell at them at home if they didn't do a homework or they did bad on a test and I know they didn't study, uh, but I just kind of had to separate myself so that mm -hmm. they could have their own identity and for respect for our teachers. 
I love the line here too, John. You talked about it not being perfect, right? We want to be great parents. We want our kids to be excellent in school, right? It won't be perfect, nor will you, right? We're going to make mistakes as parents, uh, but they will grow to love you and respect you more. Uh, you're such a professional, John. Tell me about like when you were unsure about parenting, right? You write about, mm -hmm. should I let him sleep over? Should I not? These, these decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think any parent will tell you as kids get older, um, you're confronted with new situations that you never thought about. When they're little, you didn't have to think about them sleeping over at somebody's house that you didn't know or somebody that you didn't already know the family because they grew up and went to kindergarten and first grade together. When they go to a big high school like ours, there's kids converging from all over the county. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just really, really hard. So you have to play it close to the vest. And there are times where you go to bed and you have that quiet conversation with your spouse about, were we too hard? How did we do? Were we okay? You know, and, and you replay the tape, as our buddy Mr. X would say, you re replay the tape at night in bed with your spouse so that you can make sure that you're doing a better job the next time you're confronted with one of these new situations. Do we let them ride in a car with somebody? Do we let them sleep over? Are we confirming that there's parents home at this house? You know, so that it's not a free for all with uh, 500 kids in the backyard or things of that nature. Nothing good's happening there. Yeah. Yeah. So, John, how about the process of writing? You're an excellent writer. You're a professor. Uh, you've written articles, published articles, things like that. Did this come easy? Was this something that you kicked around? Like, how did you come up with this idea of what to write? Actually, this is probably one of the easiest things I've ever written from a, a standpoint of it's kind of built on the principles that my parents taught me and that Lynn's parents taught her. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we were, I, I grew up in a world of sports and my dad coached everything and both Lynn's parents were teachers. Um, so we came from that world where the school was the center of the universe. And, and we were raised very similarly, you know, that you never question the teacher. If you do, you're going to get it worse when you get home. So, so writing this was pretty simple because we lived it. Yeah. John, what advice? Your, your boys are grown now, coming out of college. Uh, you are going to be, you know, retiring from Delaware Valley at some point. You know, you've had a lifetime of education, and, and I've been blessed to get a lot of that advice. What advice would you would you offer to, to, to parents? Maybe they have you know, elementary age children. Yeah, I mean, I would say when when you're second guessing yourself about what to do, see if you can buy yourself more time before you have to make a decision. I thought you were going to say buy the book. <laughs> A, do you have to make this decision right now or can you buy yourself some more time? Can you get some more information? Can you lean on a friend? Uh, you know, if can you call, a, uh, if you're a dad, can you call a dad who might have a kid who's a year or two older or a mom call a mom? I used to say when I was a middle school principal, when they had your first kid come into middle school, I'd say, look around the room and I'd ask all the other moms, if you've already had a kid come to middle school, this is not your first kid, raise your hand. Mm. And I would tell the firstborn, the ones with firstborns, okay, that's your therapy session. That's who you call. Call your girlfriends who just raised their hand because they've been through this before. Yeah. So so lean on your friends. And, and again, buy time. Don't make a decision before you have to. If they're nagging you about sleeping over on Friday and it's Tuesday, say, okay, I got to look into this. I don't know who they are. Let me do a little homework and I'll get back to you. And you're going to screw up. Kids are going to screw up and make bad decisions and they're going to get punished. And the goal is that they learn from it. And as parents, we're going to make some bad decisions where maybe we didn't know this particular family. We didn't let the kids sleep over. And then we find out they're just an awesome family, but we didn't know them at the time mm -hmm. or the counter, you know, where we had them sleep over someplace. And then someone says to you a week later, geez, geez, ooh, 
you know, I'm glad he came back alive, mm -hmm. you know, because that's a crazy place. Mm -hmm. The parents let, let them do whatever. And so you live and learn. You live and learn. I remember speaking to you when Claire was going into kindergarten yeah. about, you know, we held our first two back. They went to school at six. And we talked about the pluses and minuses. Yeah. But again, someone who's did it. So you offer that advice. Ask people who have been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I find I find the kids are forgiving too, right? If you you make a mistake, I've made a lot of parenting mistakes. You know, I'll tell, I'll apologize to the kids. They were downstairs. They let you in. You know, hey, I screwed that up. That was Daddy's fault, right? And and they're very forgiving. Well, I think first of all, they love you. You know, and they and at that that age, they admire you. Uh, that changes as they get older. You know, there's an interval in there from about 14 <laughs> to 24 where you don't know anything. Can't do anything. Uh, so get prepared for that. I'm on the other end where hopefully they're going to start coming around again. Got your doctor. <laughs> <laughs> He's a doctor. You know, and uh, so, uh, you know, so it's like, you know, they, they it, 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 that's a tough time. You yeah. know, when they go that for I would say 14 to 24 and the poor girls, they go through so much more than mm -hmm. the boys. There's so much more stress and girls are unforgiving to each other, whereas boys shake it off. Um, but you know, it's, it's a learning process. And I think it's good for your kids to understand that, you know, we make mistakes too. They're going to make mistakes. The trick is, do you learn so that you do better the next time? Love them with all your heart. Dr. John Bell, Delaware Valley schools. Thank you, my friend. My pleasure. Pal. I appreciate the visit. I'd walk you out, but we got the podcast going. Julie Bela, where is she? <laughs> Buy the book. <laughs> John will come autograph before you. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thank you. Dr. John Bell, check him out. Uh, John, you want to give those social media tags? The DV, what's the Twitter one? Uh, you you started a new one. He forgot it. He forgot uh, it. DVSD underscore Warriors okay. is our Twitter. Yeah, and and Facebook, you'll find us too. Delaware Valley Warriors. The show, John, you must have done a good job. The show uh, viewership just dropped. You stepped right. <laughs> Thanks, Doctor Bell. All right, our next guest is also here in the home studio. Uh, Julie Balo is here. Uh, she's making her way to the podium with her buddy Ruby. Ruby didn't uh, bother you, did uh, she, Julie? Ruby's yeah. Home. All right. Ruby's here along with Miss Julie Balo. Hi. Hi, Andrew Murata. Hi. Good to see you. Whoa. You hi. too. There you are, Julie. I'm trying to scoot in. I okay. Won't, I won't. Hi, Ruby. Oh, my toe. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Here okay. she is. This is Julie Balo, everyone. She is a guidance counselor. She's a school counselor at uh, uh, Port Jervis Schools. She's my neighbor, she's my friend, and uh, she wrote an awesome excerpt here in the book. In there the it book. is, in the book, The Partnership. Julie, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I've been trying to get you on this podcast for a while. I know. I got you. You got me here, yeah. I am here. So Julie, uh, again, I asked you to be part of this. Tell a little bit about your story and, and, and what you wrote. So um, growing up, I, uh, Live with my mom and, and my you, dad. You That's what here. I'm looking We're right on there. We're a little bit of a delay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I grew up with my mom and my dad, my sister, and my dad worked for IBM. Um, most people know it as International Business Machines. Um, I know it as I've Been Moved. Mm -hmm. So many school districts throughout my my uh, formative years, but um, it resulted in grit, and it resulted in being able to make relationships and, um, you know, form new friendships and things like that. So it was, you know, very daunting at the time. Um, but then I kind of grew accustomed to change. Mm -hmm. And now I kind of feel like if I don't change something, I'm just stagnant. So 
And here she is. She is uh, number 100 in the book. I think it is, and I say this as a compliment, Julie, I think it is the longest um, uh, excerpt here. You had a lot to say. I, I didn't know how long I should write, yeah. but I guess I got it all out in a couple pages there. And because it, you talked about the challenges that you went through, but you also talked about some things that you know parents can do to help that new kid, the kid that moves to the school. Yes. What are some of those things, Julie? Well, definitely reaching, you know, uh, reaching back when the counselor reaches out to you. Um, I often will call the family, talk to the student, um, talk to the parents, uh, the guardians, um, whoever might be enrolling the student to make sure that, you know, I've got them in classes that they want to be in, um, to find out where they're coming from, why did they move, uh, just to have some background to be able to support the student when they get there. Julie, you mentioned about divorces sometimes, why people move. When that kid comes in and they've been part of a divorce, do you do you go about it a little differently? Well, I mean, it could be it could be divorce, it could be a death in the family, it could be military move, it could be all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of follow the lead of the family on how how they want to go about disclosing things. And then you kind of work that relationship through. Yeah. And I always see that transfer kid. We started a transfer orientation at our school. Yes, we did. Um, when you wrote this, you wrote here, is my current home for 15 years, which is the longest you've ever lived anywhere. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm 16 now. But, but you're you're remarkable in a lot of ways. And right, yeah, you, that you're a multiplier. You build relationships uh, in this community, in the Port Jervis community. For someone who has moved so much, why have you? did you feel it was so important to build those relationships? Oh, no matter where I lived, uh, building relationships was absolute key to survival. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, figuring out where you belong and meeting people. And as hard as it might be, you know, to put yourself out there, you just have to do it and, and you know, carry on with the tools that you have and uh, make it work for you, I guess. And Julie, you've been to Florida, Colorado, different schools. How has those experiences helped you in your role as a school counselor? Well, I think the the fact that I've had that experience going yeah. into a new school. So whether it's a freshman coming into our high school for the first time, or it's a senior coming in in November, you know, they're a new student. And I can relate to that feeling of, you know, your stomach's in a, in a knot mm. and you don't know anybody. You don't know where you're going to sit for lunch. You don't even know how to get lunch. So like, you know, is the principal going to scream at me because I'm wearing a hat or what are the rules? You know, so like the things like that, you know, first of all, I tell them the principal's not going to scream at you pretty much, Maybe, you know, every but not at them. <laughs> so, um, you know, but like those things that they're worried about the most may not be what the other adults might be worried about. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's, you know, and Julie, you wrote that excerpt uh, here in the book again, that partnership, EduMatch Publishing, thank you, um, about, you know, being a transfer student. But you're also a parent, uh, beautiful daughters, uh, high school and uh, elementary. Going to middle. middle school. She's going to middle school. Well, yes. entrepreneur there, Avery. But, you, you know, you're doing great things with your girls also. Um, what are some things that you do, Julie, with your girls to develop partnerships with the Delaware Valley School District? Oh, well, my oldest, certain. well, they both can tell you for sure. Um, 
I don't step in right away. Mm -hmm. They have to talk to the teacher first mm -hmm. if they're having any questions. Um, they both have learned to email very proficiently with their teachers this year through through Zoom and COVID times. Um, but they have to reach out and talk to the, you know, the whoever the adult is that is in charge. I mean, today Avery spoke up at camp about, you know, which horse she wanted to ride, which horse she didn't want to ride. So it was a hot day for horse riding. It was a hot day. <laughs> yeah. So, but um, ultimately, like they have to, you know, form those relationships. And and Hallie, high schooler, she has reached out to teachers for extra help. And she's like, oh my gosh, mommy, this is so great because now I totally understand. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, when, when you reach out and you let them know that, you know, you want that relationship and you want the extra help, it tends to work in your favor. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't cool. learn that till college. Yeah. Office yeah. hours. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah. Uh, Julie, outside your role as a parent, a school counselor, you're starting to do some different things. I know you're just kind of starting. You want just to talk a little starting, bit about that? Just starting. Yeah, I'm excited. I would like to get involved with this, you know. And if you're watching live, please leave us a question or a comment. Sure. Um, so we are, you know, we have a high schooler. We're embarking on our own journey of planning higher education. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing this for other families for 20 years, you know. <laughs> so um, ultimately, we are really digging deep into planning higher ed. So um, I've decided to start a website um, and a business um, to help families kind of have a hub of information on, um, you know, helping people reach educational and financial goals mm -hmm. simultaneously. Because mm -hmm. it's very hard to say, oh, yeah, I can I can pay for college, you know, no problem. It's easy. And then you get the bill and it's like, oh, my gosh. So planning ahead, knowing what the resources are, that's kind of what we're building. This is a book for parents to kind of get along with schools and things like that. But you're an expert in, term, expert in terms of yeah, getting kids to college, navigating that, the financial aid, all of those things. So mm -hmm. your, your goal, you're going to start a website and, and how, how can people kind of find this or how will they, they know if they're interested? Because every parent wants to save money in college. Yes. And we definitely have come across some very interesting ways to, to do this and things that I, we're ready to share. Um, and uh, so we're trying to get all the ducks in a row, the T's crossed, the I's, I's dotted. Um, but coming soon is planhighered.com. Um, so uh, me and, and uh, the website builder are, you know. Say it again, planhighered.com. Planhighered.com. Cool. Not and, yet, but coming soon. And when you say coming soon, like next week, next year, what do you think? Oh, I'm thinking in the next few months. Okay. So. All yeah. right. Julie, I want to give another little commercial. I know another love of yours is the boating. Yes. Here they are. These are Rios gear. Uh, I think you might have a pair. I do. So yeah. uh, there will be uh, the Maradas are looking to sponsor the Baylos, uh, riosgear.com. So either you or your guy, please pick out a pair. Let me know which one, and we're going to get you that uh, as a thank you for your excerpt. Thank you so much. All right. Appreciate Rios it. gear, they float. Do you like yours? Do you wear yours? Uh, yes. They, they're fantastic. We signed, we, we signed off on them. Yeah, yeah, I love them because like paddle boarding and everything, they don't, they're not going to sink to the bottom 
I know my husband has donated several mm -hmm. pairs to the lake. Lake Wall and Paw Pack. Yes. So, uh, this is Julie Balo, everyone. Again, Julie, mention that website one more time. Parents uh, on their way to college. And, and when should they start thinking about that, Julie? Is it is it too soon to be thinking about it in middle school? It's never too soon. Okay. I don't think, I don't believe it's ever too soon. Um, but uh, I'm thinking we're going to start grades six to eight as like this you know the youngest and then moving up from there so um again it's still in the works coming to a theater near you yeah we hope all right well so. miss julie thank you so much um if you want to get in touch with julie about this certainly you can reach out to me and i will put them in touch with you that sounds great uh, and i appreciate your efforts julie uh, you wrote a beautiful excerpt and and kids that are transferring to schools is challenging julie uh, had great perspective so yeah, thank you. Thank you, my thank, friend. Thank you. All right. Very much. You know your way around here. So I, I do. I, I, I do. can't let you out there. That's uh, okay. Yeah, you can tell Matthew I'll take my first refill of tea. Okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. And the sunglasses, let me know. Okay. Either you or your husband. Very good. All thank right. You, sir. Thanks, Miss Julie. All right. That was Julie Balo, everyone, uh, here on the podcast. I am waiting for Suzanne Carbonero to join us. Uh, she is at the Jersey Shore. She should be here. And, um, I'm hoping she will join us soon. Soon, That is my sister, and uh, she should be here uh, on the program. Uh, we have a full lineup. We have people uh, every 10 minutes joining us over the next three hours. Sarah Thomas, the publisher, is going to be joining us. My college basketball coach, John Thompson, uh, is going to be joining us. He's coming. And uh, uh, Jenny Cornell. Asael Aruvalcaba from Texas is coming. Jay Billy. Jay Billy's an author and a principal. He wrote The Forward. Uh, so all of these people will be joining us uh, soon. But my sister is supposed to be on here now. And I don't see her. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll call her. What do you think? Call her here live on the program. Uh, Suzanne Carbonero. Maybe she's having some technical difficulties. I don't know. Let's see. We're going to call her. If you're watching live, hang tight. I, I apologize here, uh, but hopefully she's joining us. Yeah, I'm live on the podcast right here, right now. We are, are on the podcast awaiting uh, your arrival. Are you going to be able to join us? Uh, right now. <laughs> All right, she is not able to join us. Suzanne, we will reconnect another time. Thank you. Not able to be here. I'm not sure what happened there. But I will tell you a little bit about uh, what Suzanne wrote. Suzanne wrote a, a beautiful excerpt here. Um, Suzanne is a, a, an educator, a teacher. She wrote a beautiful excerpt about when she almost drowned as, as a kid. Uh, I never really knew this story growing up. And uh, uh, amazing she almost drowned. She had some developed some anxiety about the water and things like that. And um, my, she talks in her excerpt here about what my parents did to help her come back from that. Right. Did they never allow her to go to a pool party again? Did they keep her away from the water? No, 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 no. They made her go right back. Right. Not, not right back. Not the next day. But they got her lessons. They got her um uh, swimming lessons, and 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 they talked her through that. They brought her to a therapist. Um, so 
that is something that my parents did for her from a from a, a tragedy right and these are things as parents that we can do to support our children when they fall right julie talked about uh, her daughter being uh, at camp with horses uh right is that old saying of when you fall off the horse it's not the falling off the horse that's the thing it's getting back up it's getting back on there uh that is the thing and uh Guys, if you are watching live, can someone uh, give me a thumbs up or in the chat there um, that the sound is working? Again, we're on a little bit of a delay. I just want to make sure that people can uh, hear me uh, uh, while we're doing that. So if you are watching, uh, please uh, put that in there for me. Okay. Another thing I wanted to share while we have a a little break in the show here, uh, it's called fear. False evidence appearing real. That is a tip number 54 in here. False evidence appearing real. Okay. And it's an acronym. Fear. False evidence. Sounds great. Good. Anna uh, Rawls, I appreciate uh, you telling that. Thank you, Anna. It's weird when I look at the screen and I see myself talking uh, there. So that's our friend Anna Saki. She'll be joining us uh, very soon. Um, So with false evidence appearing real, your kid comes home and says, Mom, you know, there was a fire at school today. And your parents are like, what? That's crazy. And then they go to fa- you know, Facebook, right? And they, there was a fire at school and we didn't hear about it. Like, you know, and, and, and they react because you hear uh, about a fire in school and it's very uh, concerning, right? Well, maybe it wasn't a fire in school. Hey, Matthew. Thank you, buddy. Hello. You want to say hi? Dip your face in. Here's my son, Matthew. Hi. Matthew's in the book, right? Matthew has a copy of the book. Have you yeah. started reading it yet? Yeah. You did? What tip are you up to? Uh, 15. Right. What's been your favorite so far? Uh, the tip about how you have to work hard to get anything. Matthew Murata, everyone. Uh, I want to get you and your buddy on the podcast. You and Sam. Okay. The Salmonator. What do you call No, the Sambino. Yeah. Okay. So back to the story. Fear. So right, there's a fire in school, right? That no, that's not actually what happened in the chemistry lab. They were using the Bunsen burner, and the and the thing, you know, spilled over, and 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 the smoke detector went off. That's not a fire in school, but right, the game of telephone. People get talking, and then they think something crazy happened, but that's not what happened, right? It was false evidence appearing real, and people. Uh, uh, got rolling with that and they got going with that. So, um, uh, so those are some things that can happen here. Uh, but our next guest uh, is here and she is coming in. Sarah, I'm going to bring you right into the program. Uh, here she is, everyone, from EduMatch Publishing. This is the, the publisher, Sarah Thomas. Uh, Sarah, there, there you are. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you for, for having me and congratulations to you. Well, thank you for uh, making this happen. Uh, Sarah is the pub, uh, the publisher. Sarah, am I saying it right? CEO, owner, which one? Is it everything? Yeah, it's, it's both. <laughs> it's both. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, congratulations to you, Sarah. Before we get talking about the, the partnership here, tell us about you and EduMatch and how did you go from being an educator to a publisher? How'd that happen? <laughs> All right. So the short version um, is that I am um, I've been an educator now for almost 17 years, taught every grade from first to 12th, plus in a math oh program. Um, yeah, and I'm a regional tech coordinator by day um, in a large district in Maryland. So that's like uh, what I do 
uh, nine to five. And then I say 24 seven, you know, I, I hold down EduMatch. So, um, you know, EduMatch is a grassroots organization of educators around the world, learning and growing together. We have four different branches, one being like the original where we're kind of on social media, just learning and growing together. Second one part is the part that, that we're talking about today, the publishing. Uh, the third one we have, um, we have the nonprofit arm where we give out mini grants to um to educators and the fourth one is the professional learning so that's a little bit about edumatch in a nutshell wow you're incredible sorry you really are, are, are incredible what made you want to what made you want to start this um you know it's funny because it, it was just kind of on a whim you know just talking to a friend of mine and just being like hey you know uh, something you said reminded me of something that my my cousin said who used to be a teacher so you all should connect and you know just from there then that's that's kind of where it started just you know matching people up on twitter and then from there people brought their uh their great ideas and and we just kind of grew it grew it from there so you know it's been a lovely journey over the past uh seven years now yeah and i think i'm a busy guy sarah but you are one busy cat uh and i appreciate your work ethic and you're inspiring what what in this book, Sarah, caught your attention to say, uh, you know, this is this is something that that I want to be part of? Yeah, I love the fact that you were um, targeting it towards parents because I feel like parents are so super important. You know, they're they're um, they're one of the most important stakeholders in education. You know, like all of, all of the stakeholders are important. We have we all have roles to move education forward. But I love the fact that you were targeting it towards parents. Um, I feel like there needs to be more literature out there targeted towards parents. So um, so when when you you know shared your idea with me, I was just like, this is this is amazing. So let's you know let's let's rock. Cool. And and Sarah, a lot of people want to write books and, and they don't really know how to do it. What what was a couple things that you saw about this idea that you said, oh yeah, I'm, I I want I want to go with that. Yeah, definitely. So um, I love the fact that you brought in your own personal experience to it. You know, from different so from multiple different lenses. You know, that's that's yeah. yeah as a you know as a parent yourself, as an educator, even as a referee. Like I was just like that is super cool because that's one of the things that you know that that I always tell people about writing. Like nobody's going to have the same experiences that you do. Nobody's going to be able to tell a story the way that you do because nobody's going to have like that unique perspective. So I felt that your book was unique in just so many different ways because you brought in like all of these different lenses. And um, and and I just thought that that was really amazing. Cool. Was there any stories that really stood out? Do you remember uh, any of the stories? Oh, goodness. There were quite a few that stuck out. Um, I remember that you were talking about one, um, I want to say it was a, a family reunion <laughs> that you had mm -hmm. and, and you had the pictures and everything in there. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this personal touch is just so amazing. I, I absolutely love that. Cool. Cool. Sarah, how do you keep track of it all? The next book, the next project, how do you, how do you do that? Well, I have to give a huge shout out to everybody behind the scenes, just keeping you know everything going and taking things to the next level with Edumatch. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll go ahead and shout out our team really quickly. Yeah, um, involved with Edumatch Publishing. So we have uh, Mandy Fralick, who's our COO. We also have um, 
Dr. Tatul and Toya, who is our acquisitions editor. Um, we have Martine Brown, our managing editor. Alyssa Frazier, who is our, our children's book consultant. Melody McAllister, who's our logistics manager. Dr. Casey Jakubowski, who is our Outlook, um, our Outlook coordinator, or our outreach coordinator, forgive me. And we also have um, many, many editors that we work with, um, cover designers, you know, just really, you know, keeping everything everything running. So it's it's all teamwork. It's all teamwork. They are a great team. They were user friendly, and you were so forgiving. I handed you this book, not ready. Uh, I thought it was ready, and you helped me clean it up. You were very patient, uh, Sarah. What would what would you say to the educators out there, the parents out there that maybe want to write something but they don't know how to get started, or they don't know what to what to do? Yeah, absolutely. So with that, then um, I would say just kind of brainstorm, you know, just just start jotting down ideas, um, like really just using the design, the design model to it. Like I, I learned about the, the design model and like the brainstorming and then, you know, the the organizing, you know, I, I would say it's like a little different when it comes to writing, but, you know, you could brainstorm your ideas, then start kind of org organizing them, grouping them around different themes and start plotting out your chapters. There's even software that does that. There's one called Scrivener um, that will, you know, allow you to just kind of brainstorm many different things and just kind of move them around and develop chapters. Um, so, I mean, like, just just get started. Like, that's the hardest part, but that is the most important part. Yeah. Sarah, another thing you helped me with was to write with a wider lens mm -hmm. uh, in, in terms of race and equity, right? I wrote, I wrote something about, um, you know, take, have your kids travel international during their schooling. And, and we had the conversation through the document, through emails, through, through talking. Andrew, well, what, what could you offer that if a family can't afford it, right? Because not every family can afford that. And that wasn't something I didn't think about. You helped widen my lens um, you know, is this something that you're seeing more as a publisher about people writing more about race and equity? Definitely. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, a conversation that, that really needs to be had and it's being had more and more. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm very encouraged to see, um, to see more people, you know, discussing it and, um, and, and just, uh, just uh, making everything more accessible to to everyone. So so I love that you like stepped up. You know, once we had that conversation, I thought that that was just super awesome. Like throughout this process, you've been amazing, super receptive, and you know that's definitely something uh, that I appreciate. Yeah, well, and we're gonna we're gonna give some books away tonight. Uh, people leaving comments in the chat. Uh, even afterwards, when to come back, but I'd like to give some books away to make this accessible to people to get this into the hands of the parents. Uh, so I appreciate that, Sarah. Uh, Sarah, I'm going to juggle a little bit here. I was able to flip-flop you and my sister. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to bring my sister into the program now. Okay. I appreciate you joining me, Sarah. All right? Thank you so much for having me, and congrats again. All right. Thanks for a few minutes, Sarah. Be well, my friend. All right. You too. Take care. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Welcome, Suzanne Carbonero, to the program. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. I, I feel uh, very uh, special to be here today, Andrew. Thank you for having me. You, we don't have to ask where you are because it's right on your ball cap. Yeah. You know what? I'm pretty obvious about my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, we, we got a little out, we got a little out of order there, but I'm glad uh, I was able to spend a few minutes uh, here with you. I did yeah. tell the story, Suzanne. Uh, of what you wrote about, about, yeah. you know, uh, uh, the drowning and, and what, not drowning, the, you know, just in the water, uh, yeah. but what mom and dad did for Look you at, to help build, build you back up. Look at the irony of where I And am. there you are. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I was upset at the time and it's not, it's been like one of those, um, one of those feelings that you sort of bury because you don't want to face it. You don't want to think about the fear of, of what that, what that was like and um so i kind of put it out of my mind but it was always there you know but if it wasn't for them um pushing me i wouldn't be standing out here kayaking in the middle of the bay in, in long beach island or swimming uh or, or boogie boarding with you as a as a what 12 year old when we almost drowned in, in ocean city maryland and i wouldn't have probably pushed my kids more importantly there's like that fundamental lesson that you learn about doing things that are difficult, even if they are difficult, even if yeah. you don't like it, you have to do it. And I went to pool parties sitting outside the water uh, with a bathing suit on, but refused to go in until one day, um, you know, I decided because my parents suggested it, mom and dad suggested it, that we would go down to Lions Pool in Tompkinsville and actually take swimming lessons. That water was really cold. The water was cold, but it was Mr. <laughs> Simon, and I know we're coming up on the Olympics, and he trained Olympic swimmers. So, wow. you know, he had me at Olympics, you know, and we went, and it was cold, and it wasn't the best uh, as far as hygiene goes, but we all survived, and we all became very good swimmers, I think, as a result. But it was really the fundamental facing of the fear and saying, you know what, I'm stronger than that. I'm bigger than that, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that that emotion and use it to help me push forward. I mean, there's adrenaline that you use when you do anything, Andrew. You make decisions. You're using adrenaline. You're using your wisdom, of course. Um, but it, there's that drive that keeps pushing you forward, and I think that's the thing that kept me going all these years, from running to kayaking to making really difficult decisions at work. Suzanne, we only have a minute left, and I know yeah. I appreciate a couple minutes on your vacation. You, you're an educator. You're a parent. You could have chosen so many things to write about. I didn't. I didn't tell you what people to write about. What no. made you write about that incident where you almost drowned at a pool party? Um, because it, it, it has been a backbone to what I've been doing as a parent. I, I have always told my children, you know what, you have to play that sport for a season. If you commit to a team, you have to play. You have to play. You, the team is counting on you. I don't care if you're the worst person on the team or the best person on the team. And I don't care if you don't like it. You've got to you know, stay with it. Stay the course. So I think I chose that because there's a lot of difficult decisions that we make as parents for our children. We don't want them to feel pain. We don't, we want to use our wisdom again to prevent that pain from happening. And I think it, it makes you stronger to push yourself forward. Even my daughter said to me more recently, as she came home from the military, um, she said to me, you know what, mom, I know you always said that sometimes we have to do things we don't like. My son said it very similarly the other day, too, because he's struggling with a job right now. Sometimes you have yeah. to do things you don't like. It's really hard. 
And I said, it is really hard, but we learned something from it. So I, I chose it because I had buried it for so many years. And when the book was going to be called, um, you know, the partnership, and it focused on the parent, teacher, parent, school relationship, I thought, you know what, this is probably the best fundamental lesson that I learned from my parents. And you helped me with the title. Suzanne, I want to bring in an old friend. I don't know if you know who's next on the show. I don't. But I know you met him, Coach Thompson. I don't know if you remember meeting oh, Suzanne years God. ago. But Suzanne, it's Coach Thompson oh, from uh, former Guilford College uh, here in uh, North Carolina, Wesley. And Coach, welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to see both of you. Coach, <laughs> are, you have enough air back there? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Coach T, I don't know if you remember Suzanne. We were at one of the schools in Virginia. She walked up to Jack and said, you, you better put him in the game. I drove six hours. I need to see the kid play. That's funny. That's funny. And it, did he help you out? Did he help me out? The kid yeah. came in and threw, threw, threw two three-pointers in a row. Hey, there I you go. Him out. Very good. Very good. All right, Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to talk to my friend, Coach T. Bye, Coach Great Steve. to see you. Thanks, Andrew. Bye-bye. Coach Thompson. How are you, sir? Good to see you. Thank you so much uh, for joining me. You've been on the program here a couple times now. I'm thrilled to have you on. Thanks. Well, it's my pleasure. I, it's an honor for me to be with you. I got to mute Suzanne here, Coach. Let me figure this out here. Honey. She's still watching. <laughs> That's right. I'm, uh, I'm feeling those ocean breezes with the wind. She's in she's uh, in LBI there. Yeah, yeah. She likes LBI. There, we got her muted. Uh, Coach, did you get the package? Did it arrive? It did arrive. I was awesome. very impressed. Very impressed. Well, I'm impressed by you. I asked you, uh, you know, what kind of players do you look for? And from the college basketball coach's mouth, from the parents' mouth, why don't you tell us what how you answered that, that that made it to the book here? Right. So I, I told you that we looked for OKGs. Uh, obviously, all of us as coaches in basketball are looking for height, size, strength, athleticism, guys who can shoot, handle, and pass, guys who can defend, all of those things uh, at whatever level we are. Um, but equally, if not more importantly, we're looking for OKGs, our kind of guy. Uh, fit is extremely important. Uh, having guys who uh, want to be part of what we're doing, uh, that's really important. And uh, I think if you have OKGs, sometimes you can do with a little less height or a little less talent or a little less of something else um, because the fit and the relationships and the chemistry that comes out of that uh, is, uh, is more important than any play I can diagram or, or anything else. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so great to hear you say that because I wasn't one of those guys that was starring on the court. I wasn't one of those guys, uh, but I was so happy to just be on the team so I tried to do some of those things, even though I wasn't, you know, uh, making the buckets or blocking the shots, things like that. Right. So, you know, uh, role identification 
And, uh, you know, for a long time in, in coaching, we used to talk about accepting your role. Uh, and then over the now 35 years I've been in college basketball, uh, I have I have moved from accepting a role to embracing a role and then beyond embracing to starring in your role. And so whether that is to be a starter, to be the leading scorer, to be the leading rebounder, or whether that's to be the sixth or seventh man, or whether that's to be the 12th man, but make your team better in practice every day, to be the best teammate you can be. Like we all have roles to play. They are all important. Every member of your team is important. And if, and sometimes it's hard, you know, like, being the 12th man may not be the role that you want to have, but I think if you understand where you are today and can star in that role, roles change all the time. You know, uh, you may unfortunately have uh, an injury. You may unfortunately have an academic casualty on your team. You may um, encounter a lot of situations with the pandemic. You may have a guy who's out for COVID protocol. Um, and so are you ready when your opportunity comes to, while I'm starring in my current role, I'm ready to jump in at the uh, moment's notice and perform at a level where now maybe my role has changed. Um, and, you know, I, that's key. And I think, you know, uh, there's a term that goes around a lot lately, I think, um, you know, be ready so you don't have to get ready. Mm. And I think if you are ready and stay ready, uh, you know, while, again, starring in whatever role you have today, but understanding that that may not be my role forever. I just have to keep working. Well, you might have just wrote your next excerpt for the for the Tales from the Hardwood book, because I like that. Be ready. Get ready. Uh, but, Coach, I don't know if you had a chance to see it. I tell a story in here about uh, that I was sitting on the bench and, um, you know, Jack went to go put some people in and they, they said no. He said, you want to go in? And they said no. And then he said, me? I said, yeah, I'm going in. And, and then I got moved ahead of those guys. I went from 13 to 11 or 10 right. on the on the bench, but those guys weren't ready. And uh, it's, it's interesting to hear you tell that story. Yeah, you know, I think um, so often guys uh, can become disgruntled when they don't get in when they think they should get in or yeah. they don't get in for the duration of time that they think they should be in. And so then when they do get their chance, they're not ready and they don't perform as well. And what we try to get our players to do, and I've been blessed to coach some really great players, but more importantly, some really great people. And so whether you play the, whether you start, play the middle of the first half, or whether you get in for the final minute and 30 seconds of the game, how do you treat that? And if you get in for the last minute and 30 seconds of the game and treat it like it's the most important 90 seconds you've ever played well there's a chance that maybe the next time that becomes three minutes and mm -hmm. then six minutes and now you may be passing some guys who were ahead of you 
and and those minutes expand. But if you go in, as I have seen happen, you're clearly disgruntled. You're you're not happy that well, coach just put me in with a minute and thirty seconds to go, or you, in those ca- the case that you cited, choose not to go in. Come on. Well, like you are helping yourself down the line you you're not helping yourself move up and yeah. so um uh, and, and look i know that's not easy but one of the things that we we talk about it we talk about it in the recruiting process we talk about it with our team uh, we talk about it in individual meetings and you know, again, I've been blessed to coach some really great guys, and, and we don't really have a whole lot of what we're discussing. But when I go recruiting, yep. when I just came from a bunch of high school tournaments, a bunch of AAU games, like I see it. I see it every weekend. And, uh, you know, I wish that I could pull those guys aside and say, hey, listen, you know, you're not helping yourself. Because they, they're not okay, Gene. But I know you haven't, they're going to have someone looking to come there to get some playing time. What's it like for you, coach? Your son's going to be joining you on the team here next year. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be really exciting. Uh, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be challenging for Jack as well as myself. Uh, but I think to share the experiences of being on a team together and to go through the work that a team goes through um, to experience the ups and the downs and uh, to experience some of the things that we do off the court. Um, You know, I'm really excited about it. It'll be special. Cool. Well, Coach, I can't thank you enough. What I'd like to do is I'm going to have my assistant uh, clean up your excerpt, I'm going to send it to you in a nice Google Doc, and maybe it could help you a little bit with your recruiting that you were part of a book and all this because you've helped me in so many ways uh, be a better father, be a better educator, um, and I appreciate you so much, my friend. Well, the feeling is mutual, and, uh, you know, I couldn't say that I'm any more proud of, you know, what a guy has done and what I've seen you do uh, as an educator and now, you know, author and speaker and and all the things that you've got going on um just uh you know i knew that i really liked this kid when i saw you as an 18 year old up in new york and uh you know honored that you came and and let me coach you for a little bit and and again proud of what you're doing cool well coach i know we spoke about writing and you're going to start to put some things on paper i'd like to connect that dot with sarah she was just on she's the publisher from edumatch uh, and maybe that'll get you going. And I'm looking forward to the excerpt for uh, Tales from the Hardwood. Sounds great, man. Take care. All right. My best to the family. Tell Laura I want to see the program. Uh, she better pump it up on social media. All right. Hey, <laughs> listen, best to your family, to your mom, uh, yeah. everybody, and, and Jen and the kids. And uh, please uh, take care. And I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thanks for having me on. The hair, the hair is looking good, Coach. Thank you, sir. I'm trying to keep it. <laughs> coach John Thompson, North Carolina Wesleyan College. Coach, I appreciate you so much. Uh, I appreciate a few minutes here. All right, my friend? Thank you.
Talk to you, coach. All right, we are going to bring our next guest in. That was John Thompson, my coach. Jenny, I'm going to do a quick commercial uh, for our sponsors here. Uh, number one, Havsies Cookies. Here's my guys, Havsies Cookies. Coach T, I got to send you for some of the boys here. They come vacuum sealed from New York. Murata15 is the code here. Havsies Cookies, check them out. My friend David Mafai, Heather, his wife, his beautiful son. Coach, they come vacuum packed. You throw them right in the toaster, right in the oven. You'll be banging. You'll be, you'll be ordering these for your team, Coach. I'll tell you what. Havsies Cookies. Number two, Rio's Gear. My, my glasses here. Rio's Gear. Uh, Murata uh, 15 also. They float. Coach, when you're out on the water, uh, there it is, riosgear.com. Use code Murata 15. They float. So it's finally warm enough here in the Northeast. I can wear my glasses. And lastly, Coach T, I know you like to dress nice. And collar. Check it out. And collar. Murata 20 is the code. I love it. it. Coach, it's athletic. It stretches. It water. Look, check this out. Ready? We're going to do a little commercial. Check it out. Check it out. Watch. Rolls right off you. Right off you. And collar. Uh, I love it. Check it out. Murata 20 is the uh, code there. So a little commercial for my sponsors. But I got I got my girl here. My girl Jenny's waiting. I got to bring her into the show. Jenny Cornell, welcome. Hello. How are you? Jenny, we're going to have a lot of guests on the program tonight. You are in the running for best hair. You just look <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very yeah. much. You this ended Jenny. with a hair note on the coach, <laughs> Coach Thompson, and you're starting with a hair note with me. He's got he go he does, consistency. He does have great hair. This is Jenny Cornell, everyone from Port Jervis. We go way back, Jenny. Yes, Man, we do. We do. Many years from the PTA. Yes, we do. It's so, it's been it's been uh, wonderful getting to know you and embracing a lot of things through Port Jervis High School and the district overall. Yeah, and I, I appreciate you so much. When I met Jenny, she was working with the PTA. Uh, John Bell was on earlier, and he talked about, uh, uh, you know, people people going through for the first time. And Jenny's son, Sean, came through for the first time, and we had our orientation. And she came to me respectfully and said, Andrew, it wasn't enough. Like, it wasn't enough information. This is my first kid. I got to know what's going on. And you, and you did it not in a way to, like, attack me, but you did it in a way of saying, hey, I need more, and you woke me up to really to do more support for parents. So I'm 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 grateful for you uh, for that, which in turn, Jenny, kind of sparked this here, uh, get, getting going with some tips. So so tell me about that. Do you remember doing that? I do. I I absolutely do. And and um, I want to thank you for being so so receiving of it. But more importantly, listening. You know. Listening is key on so many levels. You know, if, you, if you're not really heard, not much can happen. And mm -hmm. you took the time and you listened to me. And I remember my son coming out of middle school and I remember knowing, you know, when he goes into ninth grade, day one to the last day as a senior, he's got a track record. It's all recorded it all matters. It, it starts to go on paper. And I needed my son to know that I needed my daughter to be aware of that as she followed him right behind. Um, and I needed the school to know that. And, 
you know, there's no I in team. We all know that. And so there's the home team at home and there's the school team, but we're one team together and we have to really work together. And it starts with communication. It starts with communication. And it's something I've always embraced in my life on many levels, most importantly for my children. Yeah. And you write about that. Here's your excerpt here. The village is a home. Yes. The picture of your beautiful family here. Yeah. And uh, uh, this was great, Jenny. Um, tell me about, you know, what, why you chose this topic. You just started to talk about why did you choose it? And why did you name it that? It takes a, a village is the home. A village is a home and, and it takes a village. Yes. Well, because we really don't do it all on our own. There's input from, from friends from peers, from teachers, um, from coworkers, um, you know, from your superiors at work, you know, um, it all ties together and you create an environment with the help of all the players involved. And I felt fortunate um, to, to have cooperating players on all levels, you know. Um, Port Jervis is, is a great town um i was not born and raised here but i did my children were and they were raised here and it's one of the best decisions i think i made in my life because when when you're list when you're when you're heard um and people care it makes a difference it makes a difference and um through all my years from kindergarten to 12th grade um i've always i've always been right there always been a part of it. I've embraced when, you know, the school had a website, but it, it grew over time and, you know, it just advanced so much. And, and I stayed right there with it. You know, the morning notes, you know, I could remember my kids in high school, they weren't real crazy that I knew what was coming over the announcements <laughs> and, and the whole nine yards from time to time, but it kept me involved. It kept me involved. It kept, you know, it, it kept the conversation going at home, you know, cause we're all guilty of it. We all were kids. We all grew up, you know, mom and dad after a certain time that man, that may be not so interesting for a certain part of your life. Right. So how was your day? You get the typical, it was good. You know, it was good. Well, tell me a little bit more about good. Let's define good, you know, and being connected and communicating allowed me to keep that conversation going two ways, two ways. Well, and you write it here at the end, and I, I just thought this was so well written, Jenny. No one is perfect, but when you speak from your heart with conviction or sincerity, whichever may be needed, it displays the for purest form of respect. Communication is priceless. Always have an open ear, strong shoulder, and a warm heart when someone needs you to listen to them. And, and, you know, the fact that you stepped forward said those things to me in a way that you brought me closer, not pushed me away. And then we started doing a parent panel. And you were the first guest, weren't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. And I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled to, to have that done. It really, it truly is, is priceless. And, and when you do listen, nobody learns the same. No, we all don't walk the same path. We all get to to maybe the same place, but we get there different ways, you know? And and when you just embrace the variety of individuals and, and you put yourself out there and you listen and you care 
and you respond. Um, we're all not perfect. We all, you know, the, you know, some of the greatest points in, in people's life or turning points in people's lives are failures, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It, it's, it's a learning curve, you know, um, and you figure out what you really want to go after, you know, and what, what life is really all about for you. Well, Jenny, again, that experience, I think, really stemmed maybe the idea of this book because you did that as a parent. You helped me do that. Uh, and certainly I learned from that experience about building relationships. So I am grateful to you. I do have to get rolling, Jenny. I hope you enjoy the rest of the book. Uh, and if I can support you in any way, let me know. All right. Will do. Thank you, Andrew. It was a pleasure. Jenny Cornell, everyone. Thank you so much, Jenny. Bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, we are bringing in our next guest. That was Jenny Cornell from Port Jervis, New York, but coming from uh, way out west, down south, my paisan from Texas. Here he is, the Rio Hondo crew, Asael Ruvacaba. Send it. The Send It crew. Hello, my friend. What's going on, brother? It, I, I, yeah, it's honored to talk to a celebrity, man. In between all your book signings, everything you're doing, I got a few minutes with you. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, man? You look great. Hey, not much. Uh, we're actually in, on vacation. We're out in uh, in Waco. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And you got all the kids with you? Everybody made the trip? Everyone. Yes, sir. Man, you lucky, lucky you got a good job because that's a lot of kids to feed on vacation. <laughs> Big time. Asiel, it's great to be with you. Thank you so much for writing uh, about it. You and your beautiful family. Let me pull up the excerpt here. What made you choose your topic? You named it the most difficult job in the world. Uh, Mr. R from South Texas here. There it is. What made you pick that topic, Asiel? Uh, just, you know what, parenting, you know, just from my point of view, is just a very difficult job. I mean, I'm a principal and I'm a principal of 500 students, uh, but nothing compares to being that parent of, you know, your three, four, five kids, you know, just being that parent. And, and you know, one of those things is knowing, knowing when to let go and, and you know, it's kind of like a closed fist. You know, as, as they're growing up, you want to hold the babies tight. You want to hold them close to you. But then eventually you're going to have to let them grow up. You know, so kind of like a fist opening up, you know, and then, you know, they mess up or whatever and you bring them back in. So that's kind of like an, an analogy that I like to use uh, for parenting. Your beautiful children, Anika, Clarissa, April, Brianna and AJ. I love what you wrote about you. you it, was, it was very practical, right? You You think they should have chores you wrote about? And you said, it's, as a parent, you better tell them you love your kids every day. Tell me about that, Asael. Why do you think that's important? Kids need to hear it every single day. I mean, they're, you know, some kids nowadays, they really have it tough. Uh, and, and growing up in this world is not an easy thing. And, and you know, I do talk to a lot of our friends and, and uh, we always have these conversations about kids and, and all the expectations and, you know, the academics and all that, uh, you know, has really grown exponential over the years since I've been in school. So there is a lot of pressure. There is, 
you know, social media out there and things that we didn't have to deal with growing up. Growing up, you know, we didn't have to deal with any of that stuff. Uh, so kids, they do have it very difficult. And that's why it's very, very important that we tell them every single day, you know, it's better for them to hear it from one of us than from someone else. Mm, I love it. I also write, like that you wrote about, you tell, talking about love, but it's important that the, the, the kid knows they're not your friend, right? What, tell me about that. Uh, just growing up uh, with my dad, you know, obviously with my dad, there was always fear. Uh, and, and that fear turned into respect. And, and that's very key right there that that fear does become respect. And, and I mentioned it in the book that, uh, you know, growing up like me personally, the last thing I wanted to hear from a teacher or, or anyone, any staff member at school, counselor, whatever the case might be, you know, hey, I'm going to call your, your, your mom or I'm going to call your dad. And I'm like, no, please don't. That's the last thing. You know, as, as growing up that I wanted to hear that you were going to call my parents because I knew I was going to get it. Uh, so, you know, principle when when I do hear, you know, you know, I'll talk to a kid and I'll let him know, hey, you know what? I'm going to have to call your mom or your dad about the situation that we're dealing with. And then when I see the kid kind of like, mm, OK, go ahead. Uh, I know there's going to be issues there or there are issues at home that, you know what? Uh, the parent needs to be, uh, I guess, more firm. There needs to be some respect at home that that is the authority figure. Yeah. And now that this book, right, I'm hoping that parents get this and say, hmm, wow, he, he's right here to help empower that parent. Because I always try not to blame them, but to help them. And that's the, the, the goal of this book. I say, oh, you're, you're on vacation and you still got your principal hat on here. Every single day, brother. <laughs> I love it, man. And that's a dedicated principle. Tell me, what are some things that your family does on uh, on vacation? What, what what are some things that you guys do to relax? Uh, we're going to, every year, we try to go out to the lake just to get away from from uh, from where we live. Uh, so there's a, a lake out there by north of San Antonio that we try to hit, it, you know, at least uh, every summer. So we've been trying to make that a tradition. Uh we had two kids graduating this school year. Come uh, on. Two kids. So one of them graduated from college and one from high school. So this is our little, uh, you know, gift for them. I love it. I love it. I say another thing you're doing, you're writing books, you're leading your school, you're parenting. Yeah, I love the promotion that you do in your school. You guys are right next to the Space Center, right? Something with the with the Space SpaceX. Center. Yes, sir. SpaceX. Love it. You're right there. But you're also very fit. Now, here I am in New York at 6, 6.30, and I feel tired. And then I, I see on social media, you're at 4.30 doing push-ups. I mean, how, how do you do it? I, uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I like routines. And I like to wake up every single day at a certain time. So that's my morning routine, kind of get up, stretch out, get my body going, my, my mind going. And it's what kind of drives me every single day. Uh, and there are very few times that I don't work out. And for the rest of the day, I kind of just feel very sluggish. But that's that's another reason. I'm like, you know what? I can't let this happen. So at the very least, kind of just to get up, do some push-ups. Uh, you know, do a little run here and there, and that's pretty much it. 
I love it. Well, you're you're inspiring principals and parents uh, around the country. You and your Amy, uh, your wife Amy, and I like. I've had so many guests on tonight. I say, oh, this has really uh, been great. But so many of the parents say, we know we're not perfect. Parents, they're trying sometimes too hard, but you say that and we don't have all the answers. We come from different backgrounds, but you do your best to make it work. How, what do you say to parents that maybe try too hard or are not giving, forgiving of themselves enough? You know, th there is one thing that we try to tell our kids, uh, you know, we first we do allow them to go their own route. You know, you kind of want to guide them along the way, you know, make sure they don't have the same, you know, pitfalls that we might have had. Uh, but you, so you try to guide them, but you have to, you know, at one time or another, you're going to have to let them go as much as we want to be there kind of sheltering them. Uh, that's kind of like that might that's probably not going to work. Uh, and, and one thing that we do try to tell our kids is just to maintain their grades, you know, be respectful, uh, you know, just live a good life, you know, kind of the life that we want them to live. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's really, you're doing it as parents. I love the beautiful picture you have here, but you've had some parents come to you about your excerpt. I've seen you signing books. What has that meant to you to be part of this uh, project here? Uh, it's it's kind of surreal, uh, just being from the neighborhood that I'm from. Uh, I, and, and I'm going to be honest here with you, Andrew, Andrew, and that is that growing up, we didn't have any books at home. Yeah. You know, we, we didn't, aside from the World Book Encyclopedia that my dad purchased, uh, but as, as far as reading books, uh, you know, novels, things of the sort, we never had them growing up. So kind of seeing my, uh, my excerpt on a book, my name on a book, uh, it's, it's something very special. And, and I do want to thank you for this opportunity. And yeah. it, it's kind of a good example, obviously, for my kids and, and, and my family. Yeah. Well, I'll tell this to you, Asael. You have a lot to offer. I'm sure you have a lot of stories. The Send It Crew. Uh, we had Sarah Thomas on here from, from EduMatch. I would love to connect you with her, and I would challenge you, Asael, as a Latino American living where you live, on that border, working with the population that you do. Uh, you're an inspiration to many. So I would love to see you continue that. And if I could help you support you in that journey, I would, because you, you have a lot to offer, and you're, you're doing it on so many levels. So I appreciate you. Hey, thank you, man. Thanks for the opportunity. Enjoy your vacation. We'll be in touch, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you. We'll see All right. you. Send it. Send it, baby. Big time. Send it. <laughs> see you, Isaiah. Take care. Yes, sir. We'll see you, Andrew. All right. All right. Live in studio. He's here in the home office. I don't know if you've ever been up here, Mr. Frank. I haven't. You know, but he's here. We're going to make room for him. He got his buddy, Ruby. Come on in, Mr. Vogel. We'll make room for him. I appreciate you watching live. Tuning in here. This is Frank Vogel. Pull, come in. We got to get you in the, in the center of the screen. Pull up a little bit, Frank. I know it's a little tight quarters here. I don't want to get too close to you. Wow. Though. Hello there, Frank Vogel. No, you got to come towards me. There you are. There right. we go. He works in Jersey. Hurt <laughs> you. This is Frank Vogel, everyone. Uh, a friend of mine. Um, we are neighbors. We are friends. No, stop moving. You can <laughs> stay right here. Actually, turn the chair a little bit. I won't grab your leg. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Good. So this is Frank Vogel, everyone, uh, neighbor, friend, uh, 
uh, worked worked many years in New Jersey. Uh, three beautiful daughters. Uh, and Frank and I got to know each other through church, uh, school, sports. Yep. But I quickly realized, like, wow, him and his wife, not only super nice people, but they're amazing parents. They were doing things as friends. I was saying, oh, my God, like, they're incredible. These girls are incredible. This don't happen by accident. Uh, and we became pretty good friends with some similar ideals. Yeah. Yep. So tell me, Frank, like I asked you to do this and you 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 kind of were like, right, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Um, and you jumped right in. I'm going to pull up your excerpt here. Um, tell me about your participation here. Was it fun? Was it stressful? Be well, involved and engaged is the name of yours. I wouldn't say stressful, but um, I have to start off by, you know, saying that the wife had a lot to do with it, obviously. I mean, you know, being a stay-at-home mom, she was, you know, an intricate part, obviously, raising the girls. And uh, I just kind of followed her lead. So yeah. you might have the wrong person on. <laughs> but you wrote this, though, or your wife. It was a, it was a dual it was, effort. It was a dual effort. All right. Well, the, mean, re, the reissue, we'll put uh, Jen and Frank. It, that, okay. All right. Jen, just, we love you, Jen. I just took credit for it. <laughs> but here's his beautiful girls. Uh, his oldest. Let me, yeah, here we go. Uh, uh, Abby just graduated, salutatorian yes. uh, from Delaware Valley, going to Lehigh University. Um, so tell me about your topic here about being involved, engaged, because, again, you and I are passing like ships in the night, driving here, going there, going to church, going to the Knights of Columbus, we're, we're getting this stuff done. We're doing it. We're just, uh, you know, it, like I said in the book, you know, we had a plan and uh, knock on wood, it's working pretty good and just, you know, Focusing on our children, and um, you know, my wife gave up her career to be a stay-at-home mom. And, uh, and was this something that you talked about, like before you got married, like, or as you were married? I mean, a little bit of conversations before we were married, but you know, like mainly once we decided to have children. You know, well, we you know we wanted to have children before we got married, obviously, but and we also talked about if we couldn't have children, adopting and things like that. We were both on board for that. And uh, fortunately, we were able to have children. And uh, yeah, we just. Um, <laughs> Ruby loves you, Ruby. <laughs> Ruby. me away. <laughs> but um, no, just, uh, you know, uh, focusing on the kids. My wife, you know, decided to be a stay at home mom, give up her career, like I said. And um, from there, you know, we just, it just, it's, it's been working so far for the most part, you know. I mean, nothing's perfect, obviously, but uh, it's. They don't come with manuals, that's for sure. So uh, so you're right. And they don't come with manuals, but you guys are making it look easy. And we, <laughs> and we know it's not. He's got three beautiful daughters. Uh, they're involved. They're engaged. So what are some practical things that you and your wife do to make that happen? Because it's not, it's not easy, but you make it look easy. It's definitely not easy. Um, but um, communication is a big thing. You know, being involved. Again, my wife giving up her career being in Girl Scouts, uh, you know. Uh, the PTA. I just had Jenny Cornell on for Port Jervis. Your wife is heavily involved. Absolutely. She was, yeah. you know, not so much now, but she was when they were younger and, you know, volunteering at the school, both of us, you know, mm -hmm. like you also being there for uh, special events and, and just, you know, being a parent reader for uh, a little block, you know, just little things like that. It just, I don't know. We just kind of just went with it and, Again, she, my wife, Jen, I would take the lead. She'd be like, hey, uh, are you off this day? I got you for a block for to go read uh, one of the girls' class. I'm like, all right. 
I'm going to be working in the yard, but I'm going to show up all muddy and dirty, but that's all right. And Frank, you retired uh, from the New Jersey State Parole, right? Obviously working with people that have made mistakes along the way, people that have made errors. Did that help you to see the hard times on people to even focus more on your girls and your family? Absolutely. And, you know, we kept it simple. I said, just just be productive people in society. Be Be good people. And, you know, that's all really I ask, you know, and um, it's just pretty, pretty basic. You know, your little part in society, everyone did their little part of this world would be much better. So it's, uh, you know, that's pretty much was my major thing. And also, you know, again, a lot of substance abuse and things like that. And, you know, talking to the kids about that and being open and, you know, and, um, you know, they knew what I did and, you know, and unfortunately a lot of people made mistakes and, uh, you know, try and, I try and help them out as much as I could when I was working, you know, and, uh, but just them hearing my stories. Sure. You know. I mean, you write it right in here. Drugs and alcohol exposure is one of my biggest fears as a parent. The drug the substance abuse can destroy so many lives and families. So here's your daughter. She just graduated. Right. And you hear about these crazy parties and things that go on and parents serving alcohol to teenagers. So what would you say to parents that have teenage kids? How do you navigate that? Well, dad, let me have a drink. Well, dad, the parents are collecting the keys. How do you how do you manage that? You know, that's a that's a tough one. I mean, you know, it's really hard to answer. I don't know. I, you know, I kind of put me on the spot there. Well, hey, what, do you, what do you think we asked the easy questions here on education leadership? Oh, you're doing the heavy lifting now. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that's a tough one. You know, we, uh, I guess you gotta, you know, take it as it goes and, you know, uh, it's a, it's a fine line. It is. You don't want to, you don't want to condone it too much, but yet you don't, you know, want them to not be exposed to things. So, you know, sure. it, 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 it's hard. It's a balance, but your girls are working. Uh, they are involved. They are, uh, uh, you know, like you said, being productive members here. Um, but as a friend and as a, a neighbor and, uh, it's it is inspiring, right? And it's also right, you, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, right? People try to match. Well, they got this, they got this kinds of shoes. Well, I look at it. Well, what are the Vogels doing? What what are the Vogels doing in terms of how, you know getting their kids academically sound? Uh, decisions that they're making, uh, and it is inspiring because my kids are just a little bit behind yours. Well, I appreciate it. And you got great kids too, and uh, you know we're all fortunate and. Another thing is faith, as you said earlier. You know, we both go to church, and uh, our kids are involved, and I think that has a lot to do with it too. And um, you know, we just kind of exposed it to them, brought them to church, and they took off from there and volunteered, being teachers and things like that. Which, that's right. They taught this at this school. Yeah, so, Adam was the uh, uh, altar server. Yeah, yeah. So just yeah. little things like that. It just I don't know. A lot of praying too. That's right. <laughs> uh, Matthew, take care of you downstairs. Did he, he host you? Did he, he didn't host me, but uh, I kind of beat him to the punch. But he called me when I was walking up the stairs. Just, wanted, just walking around the house. Right? I was just <laughs> hanging out. I was going to grab a beverage, relax. But, <laughs> well, I appreciate you writing the excerpt. We got to share it with your family. Your mom was there. So yep. uh, was your family proud? Like, wow, dad wrote this excerpt in a book? Um, No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, how'd that happen? <laughs> but we are going on vacation the end of the week. We're going down to Disney. Then we're going to the beach. So I haven't had a chance to crack it open yet. Just okay. 
read my little piece, but uh, I will be bringing it and be reading it on the beach. What did your daughters think of dad uh, jumping in with this? <laughs> I, they really didn't say much either. They were like, oh, that's great, whatever, you know. <laughs> it's just Go cut the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, that's, that's great, dad. We're, we're busy. But, uh, no, I mean, you know, it, it is cool. I think it's definitely cool. And, uh, you know, uh, but they really didn't say much to me. Yeah. So he's it. very humble. He's very modest. Uh, but this is great advice. And again, uh, I would advise you, right? You you make friends with people that you have things in common with. Um, you know, you certainly don't judge how other people are raising their children. But when you see some successful people, you see some some good things going on. I think it's important that you talk to those people. And I've asked Frank and Jen, "Hey, how did you do this? How do you how did you navigate this situation?" And uh, now you got one going into college, so I'll be uh, uh, pulling on you for advice. <laughs> well, it's going to be a trial by error, but I'll uh, yes, I will sir. keep you in the loop, definitely. Patriot League, let's do a game. We'll have to definitely go out there. We, uh, All right. We'll definitely catch a game. Good. Frank Vogel, everyone, Milford, uh, Pennsylvania, good friend of mine. Enjoy the vacation, brother. We get a thumb up. Thumb here. Boom. All right, brother. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right, Andrew. All right, Frank Vogel. We'll Take see care. you. Take care. We'll see you, buddy. I appreciate you. Ruby staying with you or uh I'll take her. Yeah. She don't she cats no. Make sure Matthew feeds her, all right? <laughs> I'll talk to you Frank, soon. Frank, thanks, buddy. Thank you. All right. Our next guest is here. We're gonna bring him into the program. I I, I think Jay Billy might have been on uh, hashtag ELB the most out of any guest I've ever had, Jay. <laughs> how, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good. I think this is the first time I've spoken to you that you haven't been in the office. Yeah, I came home tonight. You know, it's summer. I'm trying to I'm trying to get out of the office earlier to, these days. Oh, so you only worked uh, eight to seven today. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a good day though. It was a good day. You know, yeah. trying trying to get get ahead of the game a little bit this year. So well, this is Jay Billy, everybody uh, uh, from New Jersey, a principal author of Lead with Culture. Uh, Jay, it was an honor uh, for you, for me. You, you wrote the forward to the book. Uh, so cool. And like you said, in the forward, you didn't realize we had so much in common. That's true. That's true. Yeah. It's funny. I was just listening to the end of your conversation there with Frank, too. And um, it's just, it, you know, again, it's, it's, a, it's about being there for your kids and showing up and and, you know, doing whatever you need to do. And, and, and like I said, when I read the book, I was like, a lot of this I, reminded me of, you know, being a kid. Um, and then it's funny, you were, like I said, you were just talking to Frank and I'm thinking of, you know, my son just graduated from high school last week and um, <laughs> he's had four friends since they were in kindergarten. Wow. Pretty much the same four. Uh, you know, when the pandemic happened, he could have cared less about going to school as long as he got to see his friends, you know, um, he was working a lot. He's doing a lot of things, but he's had the same four friends. So after the graduation, we all went back to one of, one of the parents' houses. And it just like struck me as how lucky I am that my, my son had these friends, um, the parents who are like any one of them could have raised all of our kids. My kids can walk into any of their homes with no, you know, they all have keys to each other's houses. They're, one of the houses has a bedroom that's called Logan's room, you know, <laughs> you know where he sleeps over there when he's there late. So it's just like part part of it is, you know, they say it takes a village. Well, you know, lucky enough to have um, when your kids hang around with the right people, things turn out 
turn out good too. That, that's an important thing. You know, you watch who who your kids are are hanging out with. And we, I'm, like I said, I'm blessed. We take the, kid, the take the boys camping every year, and um, us, the dads take the take the boys, and, and we just go. And they go off and do their thing now because they're so much older. But we just sit and talk about you know the kids, you know. Wow. So yeah. Wow. And you recently had a wedding in your family too, Jeff. Yeah, um, last summer. Yeah, last summer. Yeah. So you got kids graduating, you got kids right. getting married. Yeah. How, how would you say, Jay, that you you're at this stage of your parenting now? What does it mean to you to look at at your kids kind of grown up now? I'm blessed. I'm not. You know, I'm just blessed. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm divorced. I'm a divorced dad. So my kids live with their mom. They visit me. We you know we do stuff. I do stuff with them. But um, I, I'm just blessed that, that uh, you know, like I said, I, I think a lot has to do with who, who they hang out with, you know? Um, not that we ever really, like, watched, but we watch, you know, we pay attention. Um, and, you know, to it. So, to Jay, so let, me, let me say, so what, yeah. what would be something that would be a red flag? You work in an elementary school now, yeah. those fifth graders, sixth graders, seventh graders, right? You yeah. know, your own children, like, if I, as from a parent lens, what might be something that you say, hey, I don't know if I want my kid hanging out with that kid. Like, what's going on there? What might well, be some things for parents could look for? Actually, I, I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing is, is, manners and kindness, just some of the simple things, mm -hmm. um, you know, every, every parent, all the kids come up, but like when, you know, all of us have kids and they, they do dumb things and that, you know, that, you know, we think they're, you know, we think they're, they're, they're idiots, but when other parents come up to you and tell you what a nice kid your, your kid is, or you can say that same thing about them, their child. I think those are the things, you know, like I notice, when he does things to help his friends and his friends do things to help him mm. that, are, that, that are little. So I, I, I think that is a huge thing that the manners, the kindness, you know, teaching, um, teaching those basic things when they're little and then have them see you doing those things too, you know, be, you know, being that person that you want them to become too. I think that's important. Jay, you write in in the book here the partnership you know about your parents going to your events as a kid. You talked about your father uh, getting involved with fundraising when they were going to cut the sports. Yep. Um, you, you, that he worked the, the chains at the game, uh, and that they always continued to go and showing up. Talk to me about what that meant to you as a kid and how that impacted you as a, a, a as a parent yourself. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I didn't think about it back then when I was a kid, you know, I, that's just kind of what they, what they did. Um, but I, you know, I played sports all my life. So when I was little, you know, that driving us, driving, driving me to practices or me and the neighborhood kids, we don't, you know, we switched and go to practices, but they all showed up for all the games on the weekends. So, you know, I go with one parent one weekend, but as I got to middle school and high school, I traveled all over the all over the state and all over the country um, wrestling, and they would just like I would have college matches in the middle of Indiana and they just show up. I'd have college matches, um, uh, you know, in Pennsylvania and they, you know, I grew up in Ohio, so I grew, you know, and they would just be there, like in the stands, 
I didn't know they were coming, didn't think anything of it, but they just always showed up. And it, it did mean a lot. It did mean a lot. My, the, my teammates would notice and they would say stuff, you know, about, um, you know, how my parents were always there too. Um, when I began coaching myself, they showed up. They would show up to my, my matches and, and the kids on my team noticed it too, you know, so. Yeah, you're a great leader. I mentioned you're an author. Check him out. Hashtag T Lap Lead Lap uh, uh, Lead with Culture. Uh, Jay, I love this. You wrote parenting in the 21st century is a complex and all-encompassing set of skills and decisions that can have a profound effect on the next generation and for generations to come. Each decision we make and action we take as parents either supports our children's growth in a positive way or helps teach negative behaviors. There is no playbook. I think that says it all right there uh, in what you wrote. I, it, it was really very well. Thank you. Uh, tell me about that statement. Well, <clears throat> you know you know what I do, I'm a principal. So, so I see often how, um, especially now with social media, how our parents are not leading by, by being a positive example, just on simple things like that in social media. I bet, you know, when I came to my new school, that was one of the first things I brought up was, Hey, you know, if we're going to be a great school, we have to talk about our school is great. And this, and I put it right up there on the white, you know, on the big screen, these posts in Facebook, this is not going to help us, our school become better. Yeah. And we are, teaching our kids to be, you know, how, how to act and behave. So <clears throat> kids will often follow that lead, follow that lead. I, I think of um, some of our um, students who struggle with relationships and, and treating each other kindly. And then I can see where it comes from quite often. So like I said, I, I think it's, it's the modeling that's so important, but it's also constantly looking at, how can I be, be a better leader? I drag my kids to, you know, my son, one of the first times I was going for St. Baldrick's, so I shaved my head for um, cancer. And I like dragged my son there and I said, come on, let's get our head shaved. And actually he was all in, which was really cool. But, you know, it's, we were doing it for a reason, you know? And I threw, you know, I threw money in so that he was contributing and just was like, this is how, how we set examples for our community. And so all of those things, all of those things are important. Um, you know, we, again, with the pandemic, I think of, I, I have, um, we have a mask wearing mandate in our school. You know, you have to wear a mask. And a lot of the parents weren't happy with it. Some of them told their kids, you don't have to wear a mask. Mm. And, and I'm thinking like, what kind of example is that setting it? setting, you know, where they have to tell, they come in and tell the teacher, I don't have to do that. My dad says I don't. When the teacher's already told them, they have to do that. And that's and it makes it very, very difficult. So that's, yeah. you know, um, but having said that, it, you know, again, um, I say this all the time to my, to the families too. The kids are always watching. They're always watching. And so how, so, how so we behave, cool, they notice. They notice. My next guest is watching, Jay. He's chomping to get in here on the bit. I don't want him to beat me up with some kung fu. So oh, I got to yeah. roll, Jay. I appreciate you. Uh, thank you so much, my friend. Love yeah. It, Love it. All right. Thanks, All right. I'll see Take you soon. Yep. All right. 
chomping at the bit from Texas. I hope he don't, I hope he don't whack me one of those swords, Dave. <laughs> never. That would Dave, never happen. Dave, my brother Dave. from another mother. What is happening, my man? I can't believe I this. You, I, I, uh, I, I, I thought you were in a car. What happened? Where yeah. are you? Well, man, we drove straight through. We made it here late yesterday. We're in Melrose, Texas. My uh, wife is from Texas. We're visiting with my father-in-law right now. Uh, Nacogdoches, Texas, which I love to say. Nacogdoches. You got <laughs> to be yeah. on your best behavior down with your father-in-law. <laughs> I try, man. I try. Yeah. You know. <laughs> this is Dave Pulley, everyone. Dave is just the man, myth, uh, legend from New England, uh, the Pulley family. Dave came and volunteered with our family, uh, and you went from a volunteer to a brother. Yeah, oh, man, absolutely. Family. It was an amazing experience. Like, you know, I, I, I touched on it and what I wrote, but it doesn't fully encompass the, the, the lessons learned and, and the life-changing event that it was. So it was, yeah. it, I think about it every day, man. I know we don't, we don't connect enough, and I'm sure you heard this from a lot of friends or a lot of people, but... I think about the Marauders every day, especially Mojo, my man, Mr. Joe, and Miss Story. <laughs> oh, Dave, it was fantastic. And your excerpt, Dave, I loved it. See what happens when you open your door. Uh, yeah. Tell me about putting it on paper and, and, you know, what it meant to you to do that. Yeah, well, thank you. And unfortunately, you know, we left uh, – we live in upstate New York right now. We left before I received the book. So I haven't had a chance to actually physically hold it, but I checked it out online. You know, I, I, I was looking at it. I was researching. I said, listen, I'm going to be interviewed. This is this is serious business. I got to – you know, I got to make sure I at least look at it before we actually get into this. So, well, you know, the experience was was – it was interesting because it, it, it I had to try to encapsulate something that was – you know, I spent basically eight years with your family, and I had to try to get it down onto one page. I was like, all right, what are the key highlights here? What are, what are the greatest things learned from being with the Marauders? And I, I tried my best. I hope I captured I hope it makes sense to, to what I was trying to get across because there were so many life lessons that took place, so much love and care that was put into that, that, you know, one page, I probably could have written my own book on it, you know, a whole separate piece. But it was... It was a great experience. So a lot of good memories coming back and just being able to focus it down to what it meant the most was, was huge. It was a huge benefit yeah. for me. And I love the fact, like, you you became friends with my dad, right? He was my yeah. dad. He was our dad. But yeah. he became – you became – and that he opened up to you. Dave, you wrote here that, uh, you know, some of the best conversations were self-reflection. We talked yeah. about his children often. And sometimes yeah. he would reminisce. He would pause frequently and make comments like, maybe I was too strict, or yeah. how could I have done that differently? Like, yeah. we never saw that. You know, yeah. We only saw the decision or the hand, you know? <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, like we all do it. And you know what? That, that has helped me in my life with my kids. So if I'm making a decision that, you know, I know they're not going to be happy with, I don't just try to say it, and that's the way it goes. I try to explain it. So, look, I'm doing this because of A, B, and C. Not because you, I want to be mean or you think I'm trying to be mean. I, I, I try to give explanations when, when I'm working with my children or, you know, the, even some of my staff, some of my, my, my people I manage. You know, it's not just this is the way it is. You've you got to explain yourself. And it, it was important to see him reflect back on that because, you, you know, we were all adults at the time. And we would hang out on that front porch and we would talk and he would talk about every, every, every life circumstance, and he would. He would often say, you know, I, I, I'm not sure I did that right with my kids. 
You know, it, it was very important. Something I do think about on a regular basis. It, it was huge, huge impact on me. And, and it goes to you, David. I mean, you know, they said like, David, you got to be involved. You got to be with the fan. But you're, you're a great listener. You know us Marauders. We, we can talk. Uh, you, you were a great listener. And it goes to your role as a social worker, really, about how to build those relationships. Uh, uh, but you're a great listener and, and you were there for him. Well, I, I tried to be, yeah. You, you know, they, your parents were there for me. You all were there for me at the time. I, my family was all in Boston, three, you know, four hours away, and I didn't have just by myself. So to, to be adopted by a whole family is, is a huge, it's a huge blessing. You know, you can't really ask for more than that, especially when you live so far. I mean, I was only going to be in New York State for a year. <laughs> I've been here 20 years now. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, Dave, um, you know, we know the ending of the story, and, and unfortunately for you, you were there. And, and, you know, you look at some things greater in our lives of why things happen, that you were there at the moment when Dad passed. Um, that, that's been something that's been hard for you. Mm -hmm. uh, here's a grown man that dies in the shower with the water running on him, and yeah. you were trying to save him. What, what did that mean for you david what did that do to you well you know it and your dad and i would talk about this a lot you know with his with his diabetes he he reflected a lot on life and that's where you know stuff come up with his parenting and that i do right with my kids and himself that you know am i doing the most i can with dory and with my life and stuff and you know at that obviously at that moment i'm not thinking about anything but trying to help him you know but afterwards it's like you know he had just finished a marathon you know and we were celebrating and he went up to take a shower and next thing you know, I'm, I'm in the shower trying to revive him, you know? So you, you gotta, you gotta think about every day as important as it is. And someday, look, some days drag on, man. If the pandemic taught us anything, we're stuck at home. Some days go on for longer than 24 hours, it feels like, right? But you gotta, we gotta try as best we can to appreciate what we have when we have. And when I think back on that, uh, you know, it's odd to say, but I, I, I feel very honored to have been there at that last moment, you know, with your parents. Um, as people that I loved and, and, and people that I do love, it was, it, was a, it was a huge impact to think about, all right, you know, how am I going to live? How am I going to spend my time every day? What am I going to reflect on? So it's, it is something else that I think of regularly, you know? Yeah. It was a traumatic experience for us, and uh, but to know that you were there with him, uh, a friend and comfort, kept my mom out of there. Uh, but, David, you're an amazing guy, man. I mean, for what you did, you wrote about how my parents opened the door to you, yeah. but you engaged with our family. You came down. We talked sports. You know, we talked <laughs> Red Sox and it was just an amazing thing. And Dave, I, I'm fortunate now I get to speak and I tell this story about what happened, that the, the, the family's coming together, your brother's coming down. Yeah. Uh, just was a, an amazing thing. David, tell me about your children now. I hope to come see you this summer. How old are your children and your family now? So I have a nine-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. They're in, the, they're in the pool. Granddad's got a pool. They're out back swimming right now. And it's about 90 degrees here. So they're out swimming all day long. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I, can't, I got a wonderful wife, Haley. And, um, you know, I, 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 
owe a lot to how I try to operate in my life, to my experience with, the, with, with, with your family. Obviously, with my family, you know, every, every experience impacts the way we are and how, how, we, how we live our lives. But living with the Marauders, you know, you get, you, get to see, you get to be part of a family from outside the family, right? It gives you a whole new perspective. It, it, it's awesome. I often tell stories to, to the kids and, you know, and, and, and Haley about that. So many experiences, man. So many good things. We could go story for story, bro. We could, it could be a minute. <laughs> it, would be, it would be nuts. We're at, we're at my grandmother's funeral. We're all standing there. My father, David, come grab the coffin. No, no, no. David, <laughs> and here you are, carrying the coffin into the church. Yeah. <laughs> Yelling at me. He said, all the grandkids. And I stood back and said, no, you get in. I'm like, I, I was like, Mr. Show, I, I, I appreciate it. No, get in. All right, I'm going in. Uh, Dave. I appreciate some time, Dave. Uh, I do have our next friend up, uh, so I do got to let you go. Dave, I'm going to shoot you some dates um, uh, to come to Saratoga. Okay, buddy? Hey, man, let's do it. Do it. Love you, brother. Love you, too. Great job on this book, man. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, brother. See you, bud. All right. right. (laughs) Dave Pulley, everybody. Uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, my goodness. Here they are. They're in Connecticut. They're from Ghana. They're from they're from the Bronx. They're from North Carolina. They're from Kentucky. They're from all over the place. The Saki family. <laughs> Welcome, Sakis. What's up, Drew? How we doing, buddy? Good, Mr. Principal, Mrs. Saki. Good to see you. Welcome to the program. Yeah, Thank very you. cool. Very cool, man. You know, we're uh Excited! I'm, I'm I'm still waiting for my for my from for my copy of the book, uh, Mr. Murata, You know, but that 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 the uh, the amazing thing is, you know, when, when I first heard about the project, I do have to say I was absolutely thrilled and amazed. Um, I mean, you're 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 one of the most um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Creative, um, brilliant, you know, understanding, smart guys. You know, to get. Um, all these minds together to put together their thoughts on, on on topics that you chose. I thought was absolutely brilliant, man. So thank you for taking the time to uh, to put this together. You know, how are you, my friend? Yeah, uh, thank you so much, and thank you. That's a nice compliment, Al. Uh, but it's been so great to talk to my guests here. We've been going since five thirty, meeting all these people about what they wrote about, what they spoke about. And, and your excerpt, uh, you know, voice, Anna, was just so beautifully written. Anna, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, tell us who you are, uh, you know, and, and a little bit about you guys. And I want to ask about what you wrote about, your, your beautiful family. Anna? <laughs> My name is Anna Saki, and, um, and Al and I are both um, parents of three wonderful kids. We're both educators, too. Um, Alice, a principal, a middle school principal, and I've taught elementary school for years. <laughs> and we know Drew from college days. <laughs> You'll say college. No, but always a lot of fun. <laughs> women's rugby. I'm always supporting the women's rugby team. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and Anna uh, and Al, you have your beautiful children, Kenote, uh, Korkor, and uh, I don't want to mispronounce it, Lantikor. Um, but right. you wrote about Kenote K- uh, and autism and about your journey as parents in working through all of those challenges. And Anna, we had a lot of beautiful authors in here. This was so beautifully written. 
Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you wrote about and, and uh, you know, share about some of those challenges and what that voice is so, why that voice is so important. When we became parents, we were both already educators. We had like multiple degrees, graduate degrees in education, but um, it wasn't until we had our first child and he started to struggle that we realized that um, the importance of voice as a parent and, um, and how that guides and nurtures the children developing their own voice. Um, when our son was two, he was diagnosed with autism and that kind of shattered us and our everything about our world and our, our life. And, um, and we, we lean strongly on God and, and on our love and relationship with each other and with him and, um, and learn very quickly that, um, that the voice that we had as parents was so important. Um, mm -hmm. In the beginning, it was it was um, very humbling because I didn't know much about autism at all, and um, and really had to learn quickly to educate myself, and um, and and not just on autism itself, but on my son and how he was doing. And since then, we've gone to like countless um, IEP meetings and 504 meetings for all three of our kids for a range of different um, things that they've struggled with, and um, and. Over the years, it's just um, reinforced the importance of voice as a parent. I mean, I, as a teacher as well, like I've been to countless IEP meetings of other families and what a difference and impact it has when the parents speak up and, and share on, uh, on their child. Because as parents, um, it's so important for us to share our concerns and to voice where our children are. Um, there may be someone who has a doctorate and that certain diagnosis or is a renowned physician or clinician in a certain area, but that doesn't mean that they have more authority or expertise on your child than you do. You know, I think as parents, it's important for us to educate ourselves, even if it's a little heartbreaking on what our children are going through. But, um, but at the same time, we, we need to do that. And we also need to speak up as to how our children are as individuals and how they're, um, how they're doing and what, they, what we feel like they need. Because when we speak up in that way, we're listened to and we're able to get what we believe and what we think our children, you know, best need. And, you know, j j just to add to that, Andrew, you know, the voice that Anna is, is, is talking about and, and the whole idea of advocacy and, and us being our children's um, us being our children's advocate, you know, through that voice and through that, that, that advocacy, you know, and making sure that we we're fighting for what we felt um, he needed, you know, he got all the supports that we could have possibly gotten him, you know, through through his time to the point where, by God's grace, he's a, you know, typical high schooler, you know, playing football in Bethel, right? So, you know, so, so it's like that's the power and the grace of God, right, where where, you know, the, the, it's funny that the things that that we were like, oh, you know, I hope, you know, one day he's able to do blank. And now he's like a typical teenager driving us crazy. Right. So like that's what that's what you know, that's the power of God. And that's the power of advocacy. Right. And that's the power of that voice. Right. And when people you, that nothing that something's not possible, that um, this is the projection for the life of your child, that's not the case. You know, you got to have faith. We have tremendous faith in God and, and you got to step up and, and do all you can within your, you know, within your ability to learn what you can and to speak up for your kid until they can speak up for themselves. Like you definitely need to nurture them 
having taking ownership and responsibility for their own voice. But um, in the meantime, you got to really um, speak up for them. Beautiful. Uh, and again, Anna, so well written. Al, having you go through this challenge with your son and your family, has it made you a better school leader? Oh, yes. You know, um, definitely. I, I, I think, you know, very often, you know, I, I look at things in my own building through the lens of, is this what I would want for my kids? Right. You know, so if, if it's not something that I want for my kids, then I don't want it for anybody else's child. Right. So I always look at any decision that I make from the lens of, you know, how does this impact children? How is this good for children? Right. And so um, that's what that's what drives my decision making. That's what drives my focus. You know, um, if, if this is something that's going to be good for my child then it's going to be good for everybody else's child as well. Right. So I, 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 I use my children and my students as my lens into every decision that I make. So, yes, it, it's, it's definitely helped me in, in, in being that leader. And you guys started a, a website, Anna, where you do some other writing, breathoffaith.com. Tell me a little bit about what, what people could find there and, and what's the goal there, Anna? I, um, it personally, myself and through our family, there's definitely been a lot of struggles. And I think we all have struggles that we're faced with in life. And, um, and I try to use that as a, as a starting board to kind of offer other people, um, shared hope and um, encourage their faith to overcome their own challenges in life. You know, I've, I've always told Anna that, you know, she is absolutely exceptional with her words, right? So I've been trying, trying to, you know, encourage her to just keep that writing, keep that, you know, because, you know, if, if you get a chance to, to, to take a look at, at some of the writing that she, she does, you know, she's just very, it comes from the heart and you see it um, as you read those words. So. You know, I think she's an exceptional writer, and hopefully, you know, that's something that she continues to do. You're a lucky man, Al Saki. And let's have a little reunion. Let's have a little reunion here. I see him bouncing around. Uh, let's see if we can have a little Guilford College reunion with our friend uh, Kevin Spanauer. Yes. We try to bring him in here. Oh, wow. Kevin, <laughs> we can't, we can't Pull him right in. in. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, oh hold on, we're having some technical difficulties. <laughs> I'm not what's happening. Hold on. Oh, boy. We can't get Spain Hour into the show. Kevin, hold on. on. Kevin, you can hear me? Yeah, he can hear me. We got to listen. Yeah, yeah. Why is it not going? Hold on, Gavin. Let me remove you. All right, let's try again. Oh, Kevin. Ah, no worries. <laughs> Yo, you're blocked, Kevin. What's happening? <laughs> we haven't had any technical difficulties all show, and Kevin shows up and screws the thing up. There you go. There you go. Well, you know, Kevin, Kevin, right? Kevin, get off and, Kevin, get off and come back. Get off and come back. Let me see what happens. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Get off and come back. I can't, yeah. I don't know what happened, Al. Oh, uh, no worries. No worries, man. You should be able to uh, uh, go on together. Uh, Al, while we're waiting for him, how is your first year going uh, as principal here? Yes, yes, yes. We we, we still need to do some, some talking, you know, Andrew. Uh, you know, starting, starting in a new space um, in the middle of a global pa pa pandemic has been, uh, you know, has been absolutely um, 
humbling for me, right? You know, I have been blessed that the, that the community that I'm in, the parents are incredible, the students are fantastic, my staff is, you know, top notch. So I've been I've been blessed with that, you know. I, I you, know, you know I'm a praying person, Andrew. So, you know I'm 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 humbled by the people that I've met there. You know the district leadership as well as the, you know the the, the parent leadership and the parents. I mean everyone has you know everyone stepped up the way that they had to, and that's what allowed us to get through uh, this pandemic successfully, right? Um, without everybody kind of doing their part, um, this would have been very different, you know. I always say, you know, we were one of only two middle schools in Westchester County to have our students in school every single day, because to us that was important. It was important for the kids to have a contact time with the teacher on a daily basis. So, and we are one of the largest middle schools in Westchester County as well. So, you know, I, like I said, we were, we were. I'm, I'm very proud of my staff, my students. You know, that entire community. Uh, you know, they made it happen. So, good first year, Andrew. Good first year. Good. Good. And Anna, uh, have you gone back to working full time right now or still you're with, you're with your children now, your home? What, what's what's going on there? Um, I went back to teaching for a while, but I developed some pretty um, debilitating health problems that made me need mm. to stay home. So I'm grateful to have the time with my kids and the opportunity to do some writing and whatever God has for me, I'm open to it, even though it may not be exactly what I imagined it would be. <laughs> Sure. And I know one of the things we talked about, Al, you know, your Ghanaian heritage and, you know, I know you talked about a school there. Uh, is that still a goal down the road? Where, where is that? I know it was maybe just a dream or a vision when we were talking about it, but is that still something you'd like to see happen? A hundred percent, man. You know, from, from, from your mouth to God's ears, Drew, you know, that's a, that's been a vision from, you know, as you know, for, for many years now, you know, we're at the point where, you know, we do have the space that we want to, 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 to put up the school. And now, you know, it's going to reach a point that then I actually have to start, you know, um, um, doing some fundraising to, 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 to put up the school. But we're at the point where that is something that, you know, has always been a passion that, you know, um, I, I trust is, it's, it's, it's yeah. been our dream for as, as long as, you know, we've been together. And I know that by God's grace, it's only a matter of time that that school um, will be built. Um, and, you know, sure. and, uh, you know, hopefully we can bring, you know, um, lives to, to Christ through that. Al, and, and hold on. Let me see if I pull you out, if I can bring Kevin <laughs> in. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what's happening. Kevin, uh, hang, sure. hang on for a second. Uh, sure, sure, sure. Kevin, what's going on? We got, I got, man. Kevin, go ahead. Can I hear you speak now? We can hear you now. Yeah, but uh, you're not, I can't get you on the screen. <laughs> I, I could see you, but you're not in the show. Al, can you hear him? Nope, can't hear anything. Yeah, you're not in yet, Kevin. No worries, no worries. We can definitely reconnect. <laughs> I'm not sure where we're at, Kevin. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> man, I wanted to bring you guys together. I know, I know. No worries, man. No worries. But you know, we are we are grateful to you for this opportunity to even talk and to connect and you know. And like I said, you know, the 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 the, the voice that that Anna Anna had, had had spoken about, you know, we are just so um we're just so blessed and thankful, you know, to God for the way everything 
played out, you know, like I said, you know, through that advocacy, through that voice, through the grace of God, you know, he's uh, he's doing great. You know, like I said, uh, football about to be an Eagle Scout. You know, he's uh, he's, uh, you know, we're excited for him and we're excited for, for, for what he's going to be doing with his life. And um, yeah, thank you, Drew. Beautiful stuff, Al. Al, let me uh, let me run here, my friend Anna. Thank you so much for your excerpt, uh, and we will see you guys soon. Okay. Yes, my friend. We'll see you, buddy. All right. Say so what's up to Drew for? I mean, say so what's up to Spain for me? <laughs> I will. I will if I can get him in. I know, right? <laughs> Technical difficulties here. All right, my oh, friend. Oh, Kevin. I, I'm not sure what's happening. All I do is click the button. <laughs> Let's see. No. No. Now, how does yes, Kevin but you're work? like in my waiting room. Do I X out, Drew? And now the Sackies are back on here. Al, are you still there? <laughs> do I X out of this? What, what, what do you want me to do? Do I X out? We're having technical difficulties here, team. No we were going seamless. Two hours we've had. How many guests here? And the Guilford guys show up and they screw it up. <laughs> hey, everybody. We are back here. I'm going to try to get our uh, guests back. Uh, we had some te technical difficulties uh, with our last guests. Uh, but we do have some in-person guests here. Um, here's Gavin. Let's see if Gavin, I can bring you in now. Hello. Hello. Gavin Starker, can you hear me? Yes, I can. You are in. You can't. You're saying your camera's not working now. Yes, sir. Oh, that's disappointing. Well, this is Gavin Starker. I know. Everyone. It would have been great to see my beautiful face today. <laughs> Gavin uh, is my former uh, student, and uh, um, Gavin. Uh, uh, Gavin, tell me where you're at now. Tell me what's going on with you, you and your your journey. Uh, so, so far now, if you're just mean in general life, uh, currently going into my junior year in uh, college, I'm currently at uh, SUNY Oswego. I am majored in uh, electrical engineering with a double major in applied mathematics. Oh, my God. Oh, it's real fun. A lot of math. Good stuff. Uh, beyond you. that, I've carried on some of the, uh, the great uh, leadership skills I learned as being a class president. As you know, uh, senior year, I'm now... Um, president of the uh, physics club at SUNY Oswego as well. Of course you are. Yeah. You know, got to keep, keep leading people, keep doing the right thing. Uh, beyond that though, uh, to talk about some of the things I'm doing now in school, uh, I have a research position uh, doing research in uh, image processing for uh, the medical tech sector. So for things like uh, Alzheimer research and oh, wow. research and other brain activity. So we're building like, certain receptors that uh, can transmit and propagate signals at a faster and more reliant pace than what's normally found in medical technology. Wow, Gavin, that sounds incredible. That's pretty uh, interesting stuff. Good, good for you. Gavin, I, I wrote about you in the, in the book, and I know I have to get that book to school. I'll drop it off this week. Oh, I'd um, love to see it. But I, I learned from you about sitting in the front row. I, I spent the whole day following a student around and um, I, I learned so much from you. Tell me about that concept of sitting in the front row. Uh, well, I think it's actually a pretty important 
aspect of my life so far. So I think uh, the entirety of like the front row philosophy is that uh, it's immensely easy to just be present in a class or in a course, a seminar like in you, ha you have in college, even a research convention or like a project proposal or any academic endeavor. But the arduous task you're presented with in life is to actually, you know, actively digest information and to keep yourself engaged because mm. anyone could just sit there and be somewhere, whether it be in an academic environment or in life, it doesn't mean you have to actively engage. And like the issue that you have to present yourself with is, do you want to simply, you know, be part of something or to be a, a main character, so to speak, in that thing? Do you want to actively participate and, and tackle this issue head on? Or do you just want to, you know, sit in the back and be a bystander so uh i think it's it's important not only to to receive information like you would in a, a normal course but to actually dissect that information you know ponder the implications presented to you from what you're learning in a course or in life and uh, extrapolate on what it means relative to maybe the thing you're learning at the time maybe your past experiences or even in some cases you know what it could mean for your life ahead and the things you're going to experience eventually in your life you know, and even your, your entire worldview. And Gavin, how did you know that so early on? You were a high school student. Like, when did that hit you? I think pretty early on in, in high school, because I think uh, post, post uh, like, uh, grade school, well, I mean technically high school, still is grade school, but post, you know, middle school, I think is when you finally start understanding that there's much more to life than just school and the friends you meet there. And then there, there's an actual there's going to be a cause and effect relationship with you and the life you lead. And that like, it's important for you to, to nurture that idea early on instead of letting it hit you right in the face randomly sometime in your twenties, you know? Gavin, uh, you know, I was so impressed by that and I have to get you that book back because you let me borrow it, but I wanted to give you that back. There's a book out called life in the front row. Um, fantastic, and yeah. I would encourage you Gavin to do something with that because you're a bright kid you're going places, um, and people need to hear that uh, about you. So I hope that this book will be a springboard for you. Um, but I would encourage you to do some writing. Gavin, the offer is there uh, for you to write about your own experience with that. I'd love to put it on my blog for you. Uh, but I'd also like to see you do something with that because people need inspiration, and you, you can provide that for them. Oh man, that'd be fantastic! It'd be cool to get some uh, tips from you because I know that you you've written quite quite a large amount now. Well, I am. Uh, I, I the offer is there, Gavin. Where do you hope to land when you graduate Oswego? Oh man, uh, I'm not extremely picky in where I end up as long as is it it's somewhere where I find myself having a decent work life balance. Like uh, for the longest time, I was hoping to just. Uh, get a job doing stuff in like the microelectronics circuit, like a uh, mm. sector. And then uh, now I'm, I, I'm kind of fluid in where I end up, especially state wise or like um, career wise too. I wouldn't even mind going somewhere in wall street to do like quantitative analysis stuff. Like, I mean, I, I think I'm just open up. I'm open to pretty much anything life is ready to throw at me. You know, like, I think, I don't think you should ever leave yourself just a few options or, or be so hell bent on something that you're only going to take one, one aspect of life. You know, I think you should be open to any interpretation of your life that that's given to you because there's so many possibilities and you never know which one's going to be amazing and which which is not. Yeah. Well, very cool, Gavin. Um, you know, I'll get you to copy the book. So I know you haven't been able to see the other uh, excerpts, 
But Gavin, the book is about building partnerships for parents to support uh, kids in, in education. So what would you offer? I know you're not a parent yet, but you were a successful student. What would you offer for parents, uh, you know, to, to or, or for kids to be successful in school in addition to sitting in the front row? Well, beyond just, I think um, the entirety of the uh, front row philosophy, I think it's it's less of just an academic ideology. It's more of, I think it's a metaphor for the entirety of life. As a student, I don't think you should only focus on sitting in the front row because it, you learn more, you focus more. I think I think it's a metaphor for life in the sense that even if you are a student, there's more aspects to your life, of course, than being a student. I think I think you should force yourself to to deal with your community, your social circle, whether it be work or anything like that, in a more direct way. And I, I think even as a student, of course, it's important to focus in school and stuff like that. But I think you should focus not so much on just the academics, even though they are important, but developing yourself as, you know, a healthy and impactful part of your community and your social circle and, and things like that. So I think it's important for kids to know that, like, there's a, a very large world beyond just your academic circle and that, that you should be treating life less as, you know, getting through high school and more as building yourself up as a person to, to deal with things that are going to be presented to you in a much less calm and direct manner. And that's, you know, life in general. Gavin, you're, you're well-spoken beyond your years. I have my next guest here. It's my wife. I better not keep her waiting. I don't want to get in. Oh, your wife. So. Mrs. Marotta is next up, Gavin. I do not want to make her angry, so I, I will be <laughs> She looks fantastic. She's been away. Uh, Gavin, I appreciate uh, you coming on the program. Oh, you be well, my friend, and I'm going to get you uh, – those books will be in the office for you, okay? I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it was fantastic catching up. Uh, I'll probably keep an email co correspondence with you, you know, keep up with you. Uh, have a nice rest of your evening, and uh, I'll leave this to you, you and your wife. How do I leave? <laughs> You're the man. I got you, Gavin. I'll take care of you. See you, Gavin. Gavin Starker, everyone, student at um, uh, Oswego, my former student. Let's bring Mrs. Morada into the program. Hiya. I've been doing this program a long time. I, it's mm -hmm. been hard to get you. Well, I'm in high demand. You're a busy lady. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Morada, scoot in. Okay. I want to go a little closer here. All look right. how nice you look on camera. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I appreciate I've been I've been trying to coach you to get you to join me here and here you are and you, you did some writing in the book here uh, bit, Mrs yeah. uh, which one you want to talk about first you uh, you had two excerpts mm -hmm. um, I know you wrote about our son Matthew let me see that one first uh, and you talked about the oh you have notes well I'll turn it right over to you <laughs> they're not serious pattern no. number uh, uh, pattern, um, Tip number 34 was yeah. about our son, Matthew, who called it uh, ADD and, and not only dealing with me, but also dealing with Matthew. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. huh? So, um, you know, walks like a duck, talks like a duck. We got ADD right here. Um, my son, Matthew, our second born, was extremely different than his sister. You shouldn't compare them, but we can't help ourselves, moms and dads. We do that. And my, our firstborn was our classic type A. You say hot, she says, okay, she believes you the first time, fine. Matthew questioned everything and he hot, hot. And then 20 minutes later, hot, same thing, same scenario. And I found myself getting very frustrated and yelling and I didn't want that relationship with my son. So I started to kind of slow down and pay attention to the patterns of what 
he was forgetting and he, we would call it, he would leave the car or he was daydreaming or he wasn't paying attention. And I saw it in more of an adult form, but I didn't see it hand on face to face with someone I made. So um, Matthew was a new, new kind of uh, experience for me, but I put my counselor hat on sometimes and I try to do most of my problem solving by looking at patterns, patterns of people's nature, patterns of behavior during certain times of the day, fed, not fed, winter, summer, things like that. And I kind of studied Matthew and tried to take some of the emotion out of it. And I was like, mm, I think a little ADD. So not officially diagnosed, but definitely strong tendencies. And Matthew and I, he's a bright kid. He's very hardworking. And he was always disappointed when he couldn't find the shoe he had in his hand 10 seconds ago. And I didn't want him to feel bad about that, but just how to conquer that and how to make that not at all the time. So he's not always feeling bad about things he got to do all the time. So we talked about it and we just kind of came up with tricks for lack of a better word or knowing thyself, you know. Um, so like, what's a trick? What was something that you, that you, you know, you did mm -hmm. with him that you helped get this under wraps? So it would be. And you talk, you're talking half to me, yes. half to the character. You, you see like this, you're talking here. Huh? I'm, just trying, I'm just trying to get in. <laughs> So they were very simple. They don't seem, you know, some people just take them for granted and they come naturally. And sometimes these are giant mountains to people, especially if you have a focusing concern. So they were simple things of doing everything the night before, um, limiting choices. So you don't ever say, what do you want for lunch? Mm. You just say, do you want A or B or ABC if you're feeling bold? Um, just simplifying all that commotion and the sounds because everything shiny or interesting is a full-on uh, divergent to where you need to be. Um, and he would lose time and space, we would say, and that was uh, difficult for all of us under the roof. So getting everything ready ahead of time, limiting choices. And one of Matthew's good buddies, interesting enough, said, Miss, you know, Mrs. Marta, you have such a good memory. And he, he the poor guy, has, has ADD as well. And mm -hmm. how do you remember all this stuff? And I said, buddy, I don't have a great memory. I have great habits. I put things in place so I don't have to remember. It's real crowded up here. I don't want to remember all the minutia. But if I take care of it ahead of time, I don't have to remember it. Makes it easier. And he thought I was like wizardly, which was really cute, but it's just putting in hard black and white patterns and it's not fun and it feels robotic, but it creates shortcuts to positive habits that you're not, you don't have to worry about. You did great with him. You do great with me. Uh, mm -hmm. And you wrote a second excerpt too here mm -hmm. called Planning for the Future. Uh, Jen and I just celebrated our 20th year anniversary and uh, a lot of conversations, a lot of planning, college mm -hmm. planning, college talking. Uh, but talk to me about what inspired you to write this excerpt. So there's a lot of um, mom kiddo talks in the great mom taxi minivan uh, to and fro all the various places we need to go. Um, and they ask lots of questions because I would limit device time so we could have those conversations. Shut the radio off, sh shut the devices off. It's 15 minutes. But if they're bored enough, they will engage in conversation, which is when you're doing it all the time happens. And they would say, well, mom, you know, blah, 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 this isn't fair. Or, How come you're worried about that? Or I'm just a kid. And I would basically very plainly say that I have to think about eight-year-old you 
and then 28-year-old you and how the choices all along the way impact 28-year-old you. Because I still have to look at my 28-year-old kid. I can't believe we're saying that. At some point, mm. no rushing, at some point, and know that we've helped them make good choices and we've helped them pave the road. And each kid, you need to pave the road differently because they're could be same water, same eggs, scramble differently. So we need to make sure that we're paving the right road that's going to get them where they need to be. So planning for the future and creating good habits um, sounds cold, but I kind of always said that love is in the follow through and it's finishing, not just talking the talk, but actually executing all those small things. And it so far, it's pretty, working. pretty good. You did your homework. You're quoting from your thing. I, I was just going to read that. Uh, you, you did your homework. Yeah, but it's very well written. I enjoy planning with you and talking mm -hmm. about uh, these things with you. And, um, you know, it's interesting to see the person that you were dating, who then becomes your wife, who then becomes a mom and putting these things into action. So uh, it has been fun, but you're doing a heck of a job. They like being here so far, so we'll keep them longer. Jen was away a couple days. Was the house in order when you came home? The house was in order. Um, I will say that those are just an example of habits that, you know, this is what the house should look like. And these are the things I know I'm ready for school when I have these things done. I know dinner is done cl with cleanup when these things are done. Just it becomes uh, a checklist in your head, but when they're smaller or learning a new habit, it's best to write it on paper and have it very, I uh, like a Sharpie and um, get the habits underway. Uh, I asked the children uh, while you were away, I said, well, you know, what is something that on Thursday night, what is something you want to have when, while mom's away? They said, well, we got to make sure the house is uh, in order mm -hmm. when mom comes back. Mm -hmm. um, Jen, you're a counselor uh, by day, your, your mm -hmm. job, and you know, you, I know you were reading the book. You know, what is something that you saw in here and you said, wow, that, that's good that maybe you'll share uh, while you're working with parents? What was something that jumped out at one of the other stories? Um, I would say the overall just sharing stories with parents. They often come into those conference rooms and there's lots of staff and there's just them. And they feel very overwhelmed and they're replaying their own school experience and as educators, we need to stop that movie for a minute and let them know that we are humans, we're parents, we're aunts and uncles, and we understand their hesitation. We understand their trepidation and, you know, their first kid, or they never had a kid that had to go through this. So sharing any kind of story that can apply to the situation, you don't have to tell a lot and it doesn't have to be long, but just a little snippet where they feel like they're communicating with someone on their level versus being intimidated by a school personnel. Just don't don't keep it, make a bridge. If you make a bridge, they're on your team. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you doing that. I hope you'll uh, uh, write some more. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, <laughs> yeah, no, this has been, it's been a fun journey. We have lots of guests on. Mm -hmm. uh, some of your friends are on yeah. here and uh, but it's been good. I'm grateful to you for uh, helping me with a lot of these things. So. Uh, look for Mrs. Moradas. You're going to be doing some, maybe maybe presenting on her own about some of the counseling things. And Pressure's things. on. So, <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, all thank right. you, Mrs. Thank you. Yeah. You look wonderful. Are those new earrings? <laughs>
Uh, I cannot confirm or deny. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Just for the show, uh, New Year's. Mrs. Murata, thank you so much uh, for that. I appreciate you, Mrs. Murata. All right. We're going to welcome in our next guest. I might have to move the table back and sort them some things out here. This is definitely the biggest guest we've had in the home office here. Wow, you're, you're, you're bigger in real life. I'm back. Hello, my friend. Mr. Morata, how are you doing? It's been a while. This is yeah, Tom yeah. Ricard, everyone. Uh, welcome to the program once again. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's exciting. New yeah. book coming out. New book. Yeah. And yeah. look, look who's on the cover, everyone. Look who is on the cover. What did the family think of this? That might detract from people buying the book. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, it was a great opportunity. Yeah, no, I was, I was happy you asked us to do it, and uh, the kids loved it. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Thomas got a little more dressed up than you did. He did, yeah. Thomas and he, he Thomas did. was my serious child. He uh, he had the best on, and yeah, they, they did a nice job. And uh, you know, we can't see the back, but he's yeah, actually yeah, yeah. reading the principal uh, on that. He came ready. Yeah, he came ready. He's yeah. uh, he's my serious guy. He's my academic. Well, I'm grateful for you for doing this, Tom. And again, he's on the uh, 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 the cover. But you have four beautiful children. You are in the throes of parenting yeah. now. Uh, you know, what would you say, Tom, are some tips? Uh, what are some, and I should have had you write an excerpt in here, too, in addition to the cover, because yeah. you're doing some great things uh, with your family as well. Yeah, I mean, there's so many in the book that it's hard to pinpoint a couple, but uh, I, I use them. I use a lot of them. Admit it, fix it, move on. Mm. That, that's a great one I talk to kids about all the time. Um, I've talked, I talk to staff about that. That's one I, I use that on my interview for my current job. I, I brought that up in my interview. So I love that one. Service to others, the fire, water, trust. I like mm. them all. I like them all. I, they resonate with me. I think number 18. Uh, I did his homework too. Yeah. Check out what 18 is. Number 18 is terrific. And um, oh, yeah. it's about, you know, kids letting your kids struggle a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm, I've been blessed and fortunate to have a wonderful family. My father and my mother were huge influences in my life. Oh, yeah. Um, and then my, and they made me struggle. You know, I have I have stories about how my father just wouldn't let me uh, give up. And um, you know, I was in college. I was I was my senior year in college, and I had to take 18 credits to graduate. And I didn't want to take 18 credits. I wanted to take 12. And I, I asked my dad. I said, Why don't I just take the summer and or the next semester and I'll graduate? And he said, No, you can't do that. And and I'm I'm grateful that he said no because I got it done. And I asked him. I said, Dad, I have too much going on. I can't. I got to work. I got this. I got that. He said. Take it and get it done. And then that opened up opportunities for me. my first teaching job happened then in that fall where I would have been taking classes. Now I had my degree and I could I could get my job and it was a great opportunity. And that's just one example, um, you know. And do you get that call? Uh, number 18 is uh, there may be merit to having your kids work through a class they do not like or stay with a teacher of who they are uh, of whom they are not fond. Is that something that you get a call as an administrator in your district? Get it all the time. Yeah. I mean, on a high, at the high school level, you probably get it more mm -hmm. um, now with me being in middle school. But, yeah, you get it all the time. And it's hard to convey because parents are emotional. You know, parents are very emotional. When their child is – they're perceiving them to be struggling. The teacher doesn't like them. They're having a hard, difficult time with it. Um, so they're very emotional. But you try to talk them down a little bit. And, and I know sometimes when I talk to parents, I mean, you do too, you can't judge – you can't judge that parent on their worst day. And sometimes we, mm. we speak to them in situations that aren't, aren't the nicest and friendly situations. So I always, you know, if you talk about a partnership with the community, um, you definitely can't judge 
parents on their students, athletes on their worst day. I think that's important too. But yeah, we talk them through it. And um, there's a lot of instances. I mean, when I was in high school, again, my own personal story, I, you know, back then we took regents and non-regents classes, right? There was a little bit less of an option, but I didn't want to take 11th grade on uh, regents English because it was, it was hard. It was difficult. And uh, I went home to my father and said, I want to, I want to go to the non-regents course. And it wasn't much of a discussion. He said, no, you can't do that. And I wasn't one to argue with my father. Um, and I didn't drop it. And I tell you, the, the research paper that I did in that class, I still have today. Come on. Absolutely. I did, you I did a ton of stories, bro. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it on the author. Uh, it was about Ken Kesey. And he was an author. He did Muffled his Cuckoo's Nest. And, and I still have it because I struggled. And I was proud of it. I kept it all these years because that struggle is real. The struggle, um, you know, life is about experiences and that was an experience that helps me to this day you have such i mean you got amazing stories you're coaching your father coach you have your dad's yeah. memorial scholarship going on uh you really need to put these on paper <laughs> i don't know if that many people are interested yeah, I don't know. they're interested <laughs> yeah. and you have a great memory tom yeah. and you build relationships uh with people and um but tell me what you got going on with this scholarship and your family. You just had a big fundraiser. Yeah, huge fundraiser. Yeah. So uh, my dad passed a few years back, and we uh, we run a golf outing to raise money for scholarships for local for local high school graduates in Orange County. And we do offer a we do offer a basketball scholarship and then two other scholarships. And we were trying to figure out how to kind of keep my dad's memory alive. And again, I was blessed. My father was. You know, I, I owe everything to my father and my mother, but my father especially because he kind of set me in that right direction. And, and, and he's a teacher, a coach, all that kind of stuff. So sure. we raised a ton of money. We had 144 golfers a couple of weeks ago. We, you know, we raised we raised ninety five thousand dollars. Wow. And for a mom and pop uh, organization, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. We're going to have to ask Dr. Yeah. Dina for a donation <laughs> when she comes on the program here. Um Tom, you know, I, I was blessed to uh, referee your dad, uh, you know, saw him on the sidelines, saw how he conducted himself uh, in, in the high pressure situation, whether yeah. they were winning by, uh, you know, uh, 40 or tight or losing, you know, always just calm and classy. You know, how did you take those characteristics into your role now as a father, as a coach and the school administrator? It, it formed me. So I'm, I'm a bit of a hothead uh, on the basketball court. Like, you know, I, and I've grown, but as, as a young guy, I was very emotional. I was a little bit of a hothead and my dad kind of guided me and he was my lead by example. Mm -hmm. so he never overreacted, never, ever overreacted to an official, to a player, to anything. Um, and as a assistant principal, as a principal, you can't overreact. You absolutely can't overreact because again, the, you want that partnership with the parents and every interaction you have with the parent. I like how you're working the quote yeah, of the, the book yeah. in there. Did you hear? You see how he's working it in? <laughs> but every interaction with the parents, the community, is an opportunity. And opportunities don't go away. They just go to somebody else. Yeah. You know, I think that's a Bill Parcells quote. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. And and that's the deal. you got to always be calm and cool with the parents. Now, there's always there's times also where you have to tell it to them straight. Um but again, you're there for a reason and you want the best for their kids and they want the best for them. And I think it's just a better situation. So my, yeah, my dad was pretty calm and cool on the outside. He could get intense. You know, he coached, he, he got into kids and he, he was loyal to his faculty when he taught and he was loyal to his players. And um, so he, he would sometimes, you know, bite back a little bit, but he was always calm under pressure. And, and I got that from him. Well, 
Tom, you've been a friend. You've been uh, uh, someone uh, you know, loyal, uh, able to work. And then here, your, your family coming uh, for the cover of the book. I got to get you the, the signed uh, uh, picture of that. Um, but I appreciate that. Um, what's next for you, Tom? I know you've been an assistant principal for a while now. Uh, you know, that principal yeah. job knocking on the door or what? Well, you know, it's in your office right now at Port Jervis High School, there's a sign behind your desk, the grass isn't always greener mm. on the other side. So I, again, I had a great teaching career. I was at a great school with you for a couple of years, and now I'm in a really good school as an assistant. I, I don't know what the next step for me is. I, I just truly enjoy what I'm doing, and I don't, I, I, I just don't want to, uh, you know, so for, for me to become a principal, it has to be a really, really good position. Um, I'm very happy where I am. I don't need a title per se, um, but yeah, if, that, if the offer presented itself to me, I would absolutely take a look. Take a look at it, yeah, yeah. Tom. You you get an education and the, the partnership. Uh, one of the things that you chose with your wife was homeschooling. Yeah. Uh, your wife is a teacher, uh, but she's been teaching them. Is that something you're going to continue? I know sports is big with your family, and I know that's something you've been discussing with the family. I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah, no, no, no. So, <laughs> so we decided to homeschool. My wife is just unbelievable. She's a great wife. I mean, she's just crazy, ridiculous. She's so supportive. Um, She's a great mother. So she uh, is a certified high school uh, math teacher. She was a, she majored in biology, minored in biology in college. So she has all the skills to homeschool. Uh, right now we're going, you know, we've talked about the, the middle school time to maybe, you know, pushing them out there. Uh, but one of the big things for homeschooling with us, it's not the you know, poor education in our home district or anything like that. We, we just, you know, faith is important to us. So we have our homeschool program is a, uh, rooted and based in our faith mm -hmm. and, and we really really like that about it and um you know so that's one of the major reasons why we do it i like it yeah you want to stick around and say hi to dr dina for a little bit yeah i miss dr dina yeah. doing these walkthroughs everything she taught me i'm putting into practice feedback and all that good stuff i love me some dr dina <laughs> live from buffalo new york tom you're gonna have to squeeze in yeah. with me to yeah, say yeah, hi to her here hey doc uh, how are you doc good to see I'm, you i'm good how are you gentlemen two of your disciples here <laughs> Dr. Dina from the Dr. Dina Agency. Welcome, Doc. Hey, how are you? We, I'm good. We, we're on hour two and a half of the of the podcast here. I'm, I'm going for the world record. I think you'll you'll make it. <laughs> <laughs> I won't compete with you on that one. <laughs> Before we get to your excerpt here in the book, Doc, tell me what's going on. Tell me what's going on in your world of education here. Um, supporting schools, um, those schools that are um, on the S accountability list for low test performance, getting them not just off the list, but staying off the list. Mm. With all of those school improvement and district um, school improvement plans, just doing the work that I was doing in Port Jervis, just I'm able to do it now locally, which is yeah. great. Mm -hmm. to, to Beating to your own drum. Yep. That's right. Uh, Tom, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to yeah. Dina about her thing. I All appreciate right. you. Thanks right. for having me. Yeah. All right. See you, Doc. Bye. Good seeing you. <laughs> you need to write some of those stories down, bro. I, I, you know I, what I mean? I will. You got there's a book there. Thanks. Dr. Dina Stevenson, Buffalo, New York. Our next guest here, uh, Doc. We had a big signing here, right? Did I see Howard University? Yes, 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 yes. We're pretty Congratulations. You and Maddie, uh, happy for you. You wrote your excerpt about guiding your child in the recruiting process. Your daughter, uh, a basketball player, now going to be a college basketball player. Um, tell me a little bit about your excerpt, Doc, and 
What was your mindset and why you chose to write that? Um, you know, parenting is something that I always talked about when I came to visit you. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's the center of what my husband and I do. Um, we don't take it for granted. We believe that our children are on loan to us. And so because of that, um, that was important to, to, to speak about it. And especially with the pandemic and knowing that things were changing and there was so much uncertainty, it was important for us to just discuss that it's not just about basketball. Like, you know, for prior to COVID, it was practice, AAU tournaments, uh, visiting schools, all of those things that took up too much of our time um, without really having a conversation with our daughter. You know what I mean? Like it was just like the hustle and bustle of you got to get on to the next, you got to get to the next tournament. You got to do this. You got to get to practice. And COVID allowed us to kind of step back from it and go, you know what? We're not parenting. We're allowing this process to kind of push us through. And so, um, COVID was probably the best thing that happened to our family mm. <laughs> because it got us to settle. It got us to um, re become reacquainted with one another. And um, especially for me, you know, I was traveling, you know, I was in hotels probably 10 days out of the month. Yeah. <laughs> And so COVID got me to step back and say, let me just re reassess what's important. I understand that basketball is important to my daughter, but my daughter is important to us and it, it cannot take over. So um, which hence her decision, you know, her decision to to go to a school where she could get a great education in addition to playing basketball. And yeah. so that was important. And so she chose a HBCU and we're excited. We're absolutely ecstatic. <laughs> was that part of her decision, Doc, to go to a historically black college? And, and uh, was that, did that factor in? It, it did, but it, but it wasn't. And I think it was the conversations that we had through COVID that led her to that. Um, you know, I think, we were pushing her to the Big Ten. We were pushing her to, you know, um, other colleges. The ACC. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, you know, we, that wasn't what she wanted. <laughs> so she was doing what, what she felt we wanted her to do, but it wasn't what she wanted to do. And so, you know, I think with all of the events that, that happened during COVID as well, just kind of helped her say, you know what, I, you know, she's she's a minority student in a predominantly white school. So, you know, to be able to go to a school where she could see more people that looks like her was important to her. But we didn't know that because we weren't listening because we were pushing. <laughs> That's so beautiful, Doc, to hear you say that, to write about it. I'm so happy for Maddie and I want to look forward to following her. Um, Doc, what would you say to parents that, you know, have these dreams of living through their child, through the, through the college and, and making sure the kid doesn't get too big, right? They don't, they uh -huh. don't get too big for their britches. What would you say there? Listen, mm. it's something as simple as just listen, do less talking and more listening to your child because she told us, which is in listen. Wow. <laughs> 
that. Uh, that's, a, that's so beautiful. And you're saying that COVID brought this out because you were running, you were traveling, you were investing in school leaders all over the country. And, and uh, wow, good for you, yeah. Doc. I'm so happy for her. Um, let's shift gears a little bit, Doc. You, you, you run in Doc Dina Enterprises. It's your own thing. And not only are you doing that, you're trying to coach people to run their own thing, too. What, what made you want to try to help other people do this? Um, you know, I think I was intrigued by so many people talking to so many leaders, so many teachers that really wanted to start their own business, but either fear or lack of knowledge caused them to, to not execute it. And so, um, that was the, the initial part of it. Just, you know, wanting to help people because they just didn't know where to turn or not knowing that, wow, like I, I could do this on the side. Like this is a, this is a, another source of income for me. Absolutely. And so, you know, I would go from school to school and people would pull me aside and ask, how did you get started with this? Is that some, is this something that I could do? And uh, I think that's what started just from conversations that I was having with other educators but them not knowing how to get started. And so I became that source for, for many. Um, unfortunately, I'm gonna announce it publicly, July 1, I'm stopping. I just, I have too much on my plate. I have too much on my plate. So I am wow. focusing only on the educational consulting part of it. I just, I can't do both justice. And yes. so um I need to I need to continue to build my business and um, become my own client, <laughs> so to speak, yeah. and yeah. Um, support. I have a ton of schools and I'm a one woman show. So I need to be able to make sure that I'm supporting them and using the advice that I've been giving to my coaching client. So effective July one, I am I am Doc Dina Enterprises LLC educational consultant. That's it. That's enough. <laughs> Doc, you, you're so amazing in so many areas. How, how, when people don't aren't confident enough, you're very confident and you show it, but not in a look at me way. What do you What do you tell people? Like, how, how do you teach people to be confident? That's a great question. <laughs> you, you 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 ooze it. People are attracted to you because just your your presence. It's so it's so powerful. What do you say to people when they're just not confident enough? Well, that's what it is. They don't think they can do it. Well, and that is exactly what it is. They don't think they can do it. So there's definitely a mindset shift that has to happen, but it, it has to start with, well, why do you even want to do this to begin with? Like, what is your why? And it can't be about the money because, you know, you can find other ways to make money. It has to be about, you know, are you, are you in it to maybe pay for your kid's college? Are you in it to maybe pay off some debt? Are you in it because you really want to help people and you feel like you can expand your reach by, by doing this or whatever the it is, because it doesn't even have to be a business and focusing on that, make it less about you and more about your mission to fulfill whatever your why is. Mm. Because I think once you take self out of it and you dig deeper into how, what you're doing could su support other people, it becomes it becomes less less intimidating because it's like you're doing this because this is your life's journey to do, not because of anything that is going to promote you or make you look good. It's going to help other people. And I don't know, maybe that's my my medical background. And that's the reason why I 
I can approach things that way. So anytime I feel like a hint of like fear, I think about, well, why am I doing this? You know, mm. it's not about me. And so when people say things that maybe discourages me, I focus back on the why and go, okay, wait, I can't, I can't let this person discourage me because they're the obstacle between me getting whatever it is that I need to get to support whoever I need to support. And so um, it's a life journey, obviously. Um, I haven't always been this confident and, you know, I do have some imposter syndrome. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, are you, are you, you, you want me to do this for real? Like you, you, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I, I snap out of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm human. So, you know, obviously there are situations when, you know, you get a call from the local BOCES and they say, we want you to be our go-to gal. And you're like, me? You you realize it's just me, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, right. right. Maybe, maybe maybe it's the Dina spelt with two N's, not one. <laughs> Dina, I got one more. I got one more serious question. Our next guest is here. Right. What is Maddie doing wearing an Eagles jersey <laughs> at, at, the, at the Bills game? What What's happening well, here? This I was the only, I was the only Bills fan at a Bills game because my entire family. I mean, you know, we're <laughs> we have. You're going to get, get in trouble with the mafia there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave you with this, Doc. You have taught me a lot. You've been a friend, a mentor. You've made me a better principal, but I learned one of the most important things in my life. Do not put a woman's uh, uh, pocketbook on the floor. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, Don't do it. it. <laughs> Dina, if people are interested in your services, where, to, where can they get in touch with you? They can go to my website, docdinaenterprises.com. You're the best. You're the best. Thank let's you. Keep, let's connect, girl, all right? We will. All right. Good Take to see care. you again. Good to see you, too. Bye Thank bye. you, Doc. And good luck to Maddie, all right? Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, girl. That was Doc Dina uh, from Doc Dina Enterprises. We have one more guest. Uh, this has been a marathon show. I want to give a shout out one more time to my sponsorships. We will start with Havsies Cookies. Here they are. Here's the code, Murata15. And here's the cookies. Steven, I don't know if I sent them to you yet. They're vacuum sealed. They come. You pop them in the oven. They're fantastic. And it's cut. It's a half a cookie. Right? You can see they're fantastic. I got to get you some. Havsies Cookie. Uh, com, uh, Murata 15. Number two, Rios Gear Sunglasses. Check them out. Rios Gear Sunglasses. Murata 15. Here they are. They float. They're beautiful. I love them. And last but not least, Ann Collar. This is an Ann Collar shirt. It's flexible. When Stephen Broadwell was coaching, he wouldn't be sweating through it. Uh, Murata 20 is the code. Check it out. Um, and collar really happy with the shirts and, and all they've uh, done for me so let's bring in the last but not least uh guest of the night Stephen broadwell from the north country hello Stephen. good evening from new hampshire exactly yeah good to see you my friend it's great seeing you yeah this is Stephen broadwell educator uh from upstate new york uh um, really has become a friend and mentor of mine I appreciate you coming on, Stephen. 
Oh, I, I, I welcome the opportunity to be here. I know it's been a marathon for you, so um, I'm uh, the last hitter for you. You're, bring, you're bringing us home, and, and, and I couldn't have anybody better. I know I owe you a copy. I don't think you have the books yet, so I'm going to send send them up. Um, but I invited Stephen to, to join me. He, yeah, Stephen, that's one of the most unique things I've heard that you do about writing to successful people. And it's so old school, but you made it work and you have treasures that you share out with other people. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, it started when I was coaching um, over 30 years ago and, and I was looking for inspiration for our players and for the coaches on our coaching staff. So um, I started out and I wrote to, to coach John Wooden, um, arguably the, the best basketball coach of all time and, and, and certainly a great teacher um, of life. And I, had, I got his home address. I wrote to him um, back in 1989. And within three weeks, he wrote back to me a three-page handwritten letter, um, which was just unbelievable with the insight and the inspiration that he had and sent me his uh, autograph of his Pyramid of Success, uh, which is, you know, uh, you could live by the rules and the, the, the building blocks that he has in that. Um, and that started just – I showed it to my players and showed it to our coaching staff. And um, from there, I just started to write to people and, and wrote to, to coaches, um, wrote to politicians, Supreme Court justices. Um, Ruth, you know. Ruth Bader. Uh, Ruth. What's that? You wrote to Ruth uh, Bader uh, Ginda. I did. Yeah, I did. Um, the last one I just got was from the, the latest Supreme Court justice, Amy uh, Comey Barrett. So, um, so over the last 35 years, I've been writing to people and, and have received, you know, letters back from from them. Um, some of them are handwritten. Some of them are are typed out. Uh, but certainly the, the biggest treasure that I have is the one from from Coach Wooden. And that was your first one. It was. Um, but, you know, it goes on from there. I mean, it's it's Red Auerbach. It's Muhammad Ali, um, John Calipari, you know, Clarence Thomas, Dan Gable. Um, when he was coaching uh, wrestling at the time, Billy Donovan, when he first started coaching at Marshall. Wow. Um, so just uh, a, you know, a variety of different people, Jack Welch, when he was the CEO of, of uh, GE wow. and, and the people would take their time and, and write back um, some, some thoughts, some, I always used to ask them for what's their secret for success. And um, you know, I think we all know that there's, there's no real secret, for success, it's it's hard work, it's dedication, uh, it's commitment, and it's doing the the little things over time, and that's what the majority of the letters have said. And Stephen, I know I've pushed you, I know I've asked you about it. I I, I need this published. We got to get these letters out. They're 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 incredible. Uh, I want you to meet uh, Sarah Thomas, who published this with Edumatch. Um, I want you to think about putting on paper because you're so generously share them. With me, I know you email them out to your group. Uh, certainly when someone passes, you share the letter uh, about it. Uh, and I have it in here. I wrote it in here. Not only do you have, uh, you know, your portion here, but uh, you allow me to put the letter. So I, I, I literally have the handwritten letter uh, in the book here. Uh, you know, it has your name. that it, it coach, Dear Coach Bradwell, October 10th, 1989. And it's just so perfect. Um, I really love uh, that you share them. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm so inspired 
that you do that uh, and share out that information. The other it's been great. And basically what I did was I put them, I, when I received the letter, um, I put it on my wall in my office. And yeah. the kids, my, you know, my players would come in um, and they'd read the letters. When the coaches were in, they'd be reading letters and, and parents. And, and, you know, again, I tried to share them with people as much as possible um, because I think it's important that people see positive messages um, from people that have been successful. And, okay. I, you know, we share a friend with Dr. Gilbert and, um, uh, you know, he's, his line is success leaves clues. And there's certainly that's true. And if we can learn from the clues um, and the letters that people write and they want to share with us, I think that's, that's you know, wonderful. What percentage of people write back to you? You know, over the years, I, I'm going to guess probably 30% of the people um, would write back. And then, you know, it's it, it's less now because with email and Twitter and all the other types of social media, um, a handwritten letter to, to, for somebody to just take the time to be able to do that um, is, is different. Um, so when you receive one back now, it's really special. Yeah. But, you know, back 35 years ago, that's the that was a form of communication. So people would take that time. Yeah. Um, you know, Larry Bird wrote back. Um, Yo-Yo Ma wrote back. Um, Alex Trebek, you know, sent a picture and, you know, basically said education is important. Yeah, yeah. You, you shared that one out when he passed, too. Yeah, yeah. So, again, you know, there's a group of people that, that over the years have, have – um, been a group for me and when somebody special when something special happens to one of the people that i might have a letter for i try to send it out so people can see it yeah well that's a great thing that you do uh, and again Stephen, i know you don't have uh the book yet i'm gonna get it to you i'll get you a couple copies um but you were a coach you were an educator you're a school leader what would you say are some things that you would recommend to parents for their kids to be successful in school whether it was through coaching or, or your lens as a, a parent yourself or uh, your lens as a school leader? You know, when I had parents come in my office um, with, you know, concerns or issues, the first thing I always told them as a parent is your number one job is, is to be an advocate for your student, for your child. That's the number one thing you have in life to be responsible for. Um, so that's that's the most important thing. The other thing is to, is, is to create a partnership with the school. Um, you know, as educational leaders, we know what we're doing in, in schools. We've been there a long time. The teachers know what they're doing. The administrators know what they're doing. And, and they are really looking out for the best interest of your child as well. So when you, when you create a, a form of a bond and a partnership in the best interest of the student going forward, that's so important. Um, when, they're, when both sides are divisive or you're having issues, you need to come together and work towards the best interest of that of your of the parents' child, and certainly as educators, our students. I agree 100%. That's the theme of the book. I, I'm working with parents now to build those partnerships, but I'm also working with the school leaders to build those partnerships. Because sometimes we, as educators, we put up that defense, right? We the, we're afraid of the pushback, so we we try we we pull back in a way which creates less of a partnership which creates more of a wall which is not good absolutely yeah we need to have those partnerships we need to always remember that how would we want if as educators how would we want um if it was our child that we're dealing with how would we want that person to deal with you know the child being from it being from us um if it were our child so i think that's really important as well um every child is special everybody that sits in front of your desk 
um, or, or in the classroom is a special individual and, and you need to treat them that way as well. Awesome. Stephen, I know you had a life change here. You moved to New Hampshire. Uh, you retired a couple years now. What, what are you doing with the majority of your time these days? Um, I moved actually closer to my family, which is great. My, both my kids live here. Um, so I have a granddaughter and we spend a lot of time with her. Um, I'm still working as, as a consultant with some schools, um, looking at athletic programs um, and, and trying to help them move forward with that. So um, that's been, you know, fun as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm going to get this book in your hands. I uh, appreciate you being a friend to me uh, and all that you've done for me. And the letters are just exceptional. Um, I really challenge you, Stephen. You're, you're sitting on a gold mine and you shouldn't wait for people to pass to share it because I think there's a lot of value there. So uh, I would encourage you to, 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 to move on that and get that out there because what you did is exceptional. Um, and I think that a lot of people could benefit from that. I appreciate that. Good. All right, my friend, I'm going to do a sign off here. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, Steve. Absolutely. Good luck with the book. I'll be in touch. It'll be in the mail to you. Sounds great. All right, my friend. That was Stephen Broadwell from the North Country. Uh, and that's going to bring us a close to our show. Just like real life, we had a we had a conflict here. I had, a, I had to do a second round. So this is the second uh, one here. But we did three hours of a podcast. Um, so whew, I'm beat, but I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed we had that, uh, that technical snafu. But it happens. It does happen. And that's life. And you just got to keep rolling. I am grateful to EduMatch uh, for this, uh, the partnership, Surviving and Thriving. Uh, we're going to sign off on this. You can find it at Amazon. If you want a signed copy, you can get it on my website. Um, and I'm excited about it. So uh, I hope you'll check it out. I hope you'll get it into the hands of parents. I hope you'll get it into the hands of the PTA and uh, that it can help uh, people out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, reach out to me on Twitter, at Andrew Murata 21 Last shout-out for my sponsors. Uh, Havsies Cookies, Bam, Marada 15, Rios Gear, Marada 15. Check them out. They float. I love them. And Ann Collar, Marada 20. Check out those companies. I appreciate them. Ann Collar's got nice uh, men's clothing for school leaders out there. I appreciate them outfitting me, helping me look good. Signing off here on the program. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Keep rolling. Keep surviving and thriving. Thanks for tuning in.